Welcome to episode 76 of Shame Talks. This is our July of, no, yes, yes, July of 2023 episode, and it is entitled Summer Movie Camp. And on this episode, I have, as always, the greatest podcast co-host in the history of all time, Mr. Jason L. Mayer. And this time we are joined by his brother, Mr. Dave Mayer. Peace and love, peeps. And we are joined by our longtime, our most co-hosting guest star, who hasn't been on since we switched over to the new format, Mr. Jason Richardson. It's been so long, brother. How have you been? Good. Thank you. Thanks for awesome. having me again. So I am extremely excited about this episode for the fact that we are going to go back to the summer of 1999 at General Cinema Clearwater Crossing, where Mr. Jason Richardson and Mr. Oh. Dave Mayer were my boss. I worked for both of them. I was probably the most pain-in-the-ass employee they've ever had, but... Uh, I wanted to get both of you guys on for this episode. We're going to talk about summer movie camp when we worked there together. I, In our pre-talk, I am excited to hear about all of Dave's uh, stories that he's got for summer movie camp stuff. Then we're just going to kind of switch it up to kids' movies in general, kind of talk about some of the kids' movies that Jason and Dave have shown their kids, uh, things that are, you know, movies that they think that their kids need to watch from like our childhood and from, you know, when we were working at the theater. And then Dave... I really thought that you'd been on this show much more recently than you had, but you've never it's taken a while, the question. Bro, I went back and looked and I just started scrolling through because I really thought we'd had you on like within the last year. Uh, but man, you were on episode two and you were on episode four and then wow. you had some personal shit that happened in your life and it kind of stopped <laughs> you from being around. So I am really excited to have you back on here. Um, really miss you a lot. And then Jaybird, since we switched to the new format, you know, we took our, you know, huge gap last year when my shit was going on. We haven't had you back on. So I'm really excited. I mean, when it was a weekly episode, you were always my go-to guy to be like, we need a third person this week. And you were always there for me. So when we switched to this new format, doing it once a month is a lot harder to get you on just because I don't have as many episodes to throw at you. So really excited to have you back also, man. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. With the new format, uh, we've got four different categories we go through every week. First up category is called Coming Attractions. I want to know what's coming up soon, whether it's a new trailer that's, that you just saw for a movie that's coming out or a show you're going to see or something something that's coming up that's got you excited uh, about, you know, something that you're going to be viewing. Mr. Richardson, let's start with you. Um, today, I actually came across a trailer that I hadn't seen before. And I was, as I was watching, I was like, oh, okay, this looks a little different. And it's a Marvel movie. Oh. And it's coming out in uh, October with Russell Crowe. <laughs> yep. And uh, I, I forgot the, the name of it, but it just. Raven uh, the Hunter. Like, yeah. Someone gets like uh, eaten by like a tiger or like a lion or something like that or attacked and then they developed their powers out of that or whatnot. And I, and for some reason, just watching the trailer, it just kind of looked refreshing. It looked like a, wow, this kind of may revamp the whole Marvel thing for me. Cause Marvel is as good as it is, it's be kind of, it's wearing on me a little bit. Well, here's what's funny that and, you say that. Cause this isn't Marvel Marvel. This isn't Disney Marvel. That's a Sony Marvel movie. Well, it, it got my attention. And I, I nice. saw that trailer today. Uh, for the first time other than that there's not really anything i don't have any halloween movies come out this year which i know makes jason very happy um <laughs> but um i would say there's something i'm really really that excited about 
but I, I am looking forward to Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise in the next Absolutely. week and a half. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Mr. Mayor, what's your comment? Mr. Dave Mayor. I, I hate I, having a Jason and a Jason, and I got a mayor and a mayor. I don't know how to address anybody. And on two the show Jaybirds. Today. There's two Jaybirds that both go by Jaybird. So I'm gonna have. But I'm I'm the real Jaybird. So. Yeah. Oh man, we. <laughs> I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna go back to Clearwater days, let's get this fight out of the way right now. Uh, but anyway, I'm Mr. older than Jason, Jason Mayer, so right. But I, I knew know. Jason Mayer as Jaybird before I ever met you, so that I don't like he's got grandfathered in on, on my behalf. Yeah, so I don't. I just don't know how to do it. I'll figure something out. I'm just I'm gonna make up names for everybody. And you're both bald. Like I just, this. Anyway, Mr. David Mayer, can you tell me what your coming attraction is? So I, I, I got to say, I was torn between two. Yep. Uh, I really There's thought, no real rules on this show. Yeah, but you know what? I, I, I do this thing with my kids at school, um, and it's called Favorite Fridays. And I pick a name, and that kid has to decide what the favorite's going to be. And it can be ice cream. It could be movie, sport, TV show, whatever these kids pick. Uh -huh. And there's always a kid or two in there that goes, well, I got two. And I'm like, no, no, that didn't work for me. Pick one. Um, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to kick the second one to the curb and I'm, I'm, I'm on there with Jason. Uh, Tom Cruise coming out and watching this little, uh, my friend Joel and I were hanging out and we watched this kind of, uh, preview kind of thing to, to the new movie and it showed this whole stunt with the motorcycle so i don't want to ruin it but it's been pretty impressive and we watched that and it was just like uh literally i looked at him he looked at me and we, our mouths were like oh my my palms were sweating like <laughs> right <laughs> and i gotta Woo. say I, that and and, and it, today these questions that i've looked at have helped bring this out in me like I wasn't the biggest fan of number two. I'll be honest with you, but all the other ones, I feel like, and I know Shane's favorite was not three. Three was uh, okay. It was way better. But than two. I, I, I mean, even when I, I'll still watch it, you know, there's yeah. not a lot of those movies. So I would say that was my number one. Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I had just seen a, uh, a preview for something on uh, Netflix, but I think out of everything, it's that mission impossible. And that I, I just found out it's going to be a two parter. Yep. Yeah. But you know, you have to think about if in. I liked number two, and I like John Woo as a director. But if you think about it, number two actually kind of changed the, the feel of the of that franchise. Yep. It, it, I mean, because the the first one was good. First one was good. First one's the, phenomenal. The second one took it to like more of like a, this, stunt dare type of kind of action right and then it just number th number three is the one where like i always forget a lot about number three but when you start with number four on forward it kind of picks up from where two oh he kind of pushing established oh, yeah. and they just got better and better it's like you know what We're, we are going to james bond has come back and they it's kind of neatly styled and it's it's hip it's got a lot of action it's a great art piece and we need to you know kind of elevate ourselves to that type of of action drama and they it's it's brilliant i i i've got to say you know uh it, it it hasn't had that jump the shark like you know fast and the furious and all that right come on like you're getting there it has you not said it, had tyrese that. and ludicrous in the space 
Yeah, but I mean, even think about it, like even the stunts, there he's doing the stunts. It ain't like right, exactly. Yeah, you you, you got to give him some credit for that and to keep you on right. the edge. Of your, I, I, that's it. That's my the, that number one that can't the one that came close. Just so you guys know, yeah. is that new movie with um, Jim? Uh, you'll excuse me for a second. Caviezel. Uh, what? Jim Caviezel. Yeah, that new movie seems super. Uh, it, it's from a studio called Angel Studio, and Angel. it's not. Uh, look it up, and it's okay. about true story. Uh, it's about a CIA agent who was tracking down pedophiles and he, you know, he's, do he's doing a great job. He's stopping these. And somebody asked him the question. He goes, how many of you stopped? And he said, no, whatever it was, what Jason, I don't know. It was something like a 200 and some pedophiles. And they go, but how many kids have you saved? And it makes him stop and really think about, whoa, I'm getting this after it's happened to the kids. Oh, okay. I got to do that before it happens to the kids. So, and these kids that have been kidnapped, and then it goes into this whole story, and apparently it's true story. So, uh, I'm really looking forward to checking that out too. That's on Netflix. Uh, no, 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 it's no? Angel Studios is a it's supposedly a streaming service, but oh. they don't have a set fee for their movies. So you go on there, watch a movie, and it's up to you. You don't have to pay to watch it. You watch it, uh -oh. and at the end, it says donate what you think is appropriate. If, if, if it meant a lot to you. You're donating this much money. If if you didn't like it, you could say I'm not paying anything for what I just watched. Um, and it's it's getting a lot of hype. I'll have to I'll have to look into that. I didn't know anything about it. So yeah, so the Sound of Freedom is what it's called. Uh, it's being released on July 4th. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to this movie as well. Jim Caviezel, I think, is a great actor. Uh, but one of the th a couple of cool things is Angel Studios. Um, they're releasing it in movie theaters. And if you actually go to their website, you can buy a ticket and then you can automatically donate. Like it's a buy one, get one free, but you donate the second ticket. Um, if you buy through their website to help spread the word and get. I think I saw that trailer. Um, yeah. Uh, it's all about human trafficking and in the kid trade. And and Caviezel was saying, I saw a little interview with him, and he was saying that you know not a pe not enough people know what it means and what's truly happening and how this is a, a global problem. And he says that's why his goal is to get as many people to see it. It's not backed by a major sponsor or anything like that. So it's 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 interesting. pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to check that out. I I didn't know anything about it at all. Uh, Mr. Jason Mayer, what's your coming attraction, my friend? My coming attraction is um, uh, <laughs> I just bought tickets for me, my wife, and daughter to go see Wicked in Louisville. In, oh, uh, nice. That's in October, I think. I think it's in October. So it's, um, it's something we've wanted to share with Sarah for a couple of years now because she's uh -huh. really big into The Wizard of Oz and loves that movie. And so... Um, and us being big fans of that musical anyway, it was one of those things where I've seen it uh, off broad. I've seen it on Broadway three times. I've seen it once. I've seen it here in Indy twice, and I still have no. It's my favorite musical to maybe see on stage. So. Maybe twice I've seen we. I've I've seen Wicked. It's so funny you mentioned Wicked because literally the other day I was at one of my favorite pub places. And they got one of those machines where, you know, you can play music. 
-hmm. And then like people, if you donate more to it, you can knock somebody's request off and get your stuff played or whatever. One of those type of thing, right? So they were, I kid you not, they were playing like 90s hip hop stuff like Ludacris and stuff like that. And and all of a sudden someone fast passed and paid 20 something dollars and the Wicked soundtrack played. (laughs) And the whole bar was looking like, I mean, everyone gave that guy side eye because the waitress (laughs) pointed out to who it was. (laughs) <laughs> I was just like, and we literally sat there and just listened to the Wicked soundtrack. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but the it just kind of killed the vibe in the bar. Not You're exactly telling me about bar music. Make another forty dollars to fast pass that one. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I thought about it. I was like, no, that's okay. I'll just whatever. So, but yeah, uh, when you said Wicked, I thought that. Was, I thought you were going to say Barbie. <laughs> when you said you got your tickets oh man uh that that movie looks interesting that's for sure and you know what i won't say that i won't watch it because i watch almost everything if i was still running a movie theater i probably would because it would i'd be there kind of thing but I don't know if I'm going to make the effort and the time to get out of my way to go see Barbie. Dude, that movie is going to be either the best thing ever and genius, or it's just going to be a piece of sh- Yeah, I, yeah. I assume the latter. Uh, I assume the latter. I heard that the tagline was like, if you love Barbie, you're going to love this movie. If you hate Barbie, you're going to love this movie. Like, they're, they're, maybe they just know what they did and it becomes a pleasant surprise. I mean, I've gone to many a movie that I got dragged to by a friend or someone, and I'm like, oh, I don't know, I want to see this. And then it turned out to be great. We got a respectable director that's on a good train ride right now with with her movies doing well. So there was probably some real thought put into this that, you know, because it could be really poked fun of really badly, you know? So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. All right, so my coming attraction. I recently watched this movie with the Mayer Brothers. But Jaybird, have you ever seen the movie The Room? I can't remember. Oh, yes, <laughs> you have. I've seen okay. it. Uh, I think I've seen it twice. Awesome. So on Indeed. Tuesday, uh, so this will be this will be coming gone by the time this podcast gets posted. But in two days, I am going to the 20th anniversary screening of The Room. Um, it's a, it's a one night event. Uh, they're actually putting it in a bunch of movie theaters as opposed to Tommy just traveling around with the movie or whatnot. But, uh, by my count, I counted it up today. I think this will be my 10th time seeing it in the last 13 years. Um, and it's just a blast. Uh, Jason Mayer and I have done it at least like six or seven of those times have been with him. And it's always just, it is just an absolute blast to be in that audience because it's a different experience every single time you go. It's the worst movie ever made. It actually is worse than Consternate. I can say it, uh, but the crowd enjoyment. Oh yeah, speaking about that, all three of my guests today are cast members in the film Consternate from the year 2000. Uh, it's, a, it's a great uh, great panel I've got tonight, well, I just realized. Um, well, yeah, I tell you, so... I'll never think of, I'll never think of a pat, plastic spoon as the same. No, And I shouldn't. got nicked in the ear at a screening once and I was mm-hmm. like ow I'm like damn we uh the biggest uh, the, the biggest spoon event that we've done is we took 3,000 spoons with us one time 
and they were gone like an hour into the movie. So I'm not sure if we're going to bump that up to 5,000 for Tuesday or not, but I know we're Damn taking a lot fun. of spoons with us on Tuesday. And, uh, I feel so bad for Dave for because Dave, uh, when he was in town back in February, Jason, Dave, and I, and, and his friend Joel, and uh, some other people, Michael was there. We went and saw it at, at a movie theater here in town, and they showed like a 45-minute documentary before the movie instead of after the movie, and it literally ruined how he shoots himself at the end. It, ru it, like, it ruins everything for the person who was watching it who hadn't ever seen the movie before. So that was really disappointing about that last showing that we went to. I had a blast though. I mean, Good. I don't think I, I don't, it, it, it was something to do. It was something to say, I've done this. The, the beginning, the, the actor that came in and kind of talked about it a little bit first. Mm -hmm. um, Greg I, I had a lot of fun. I can tell you, I'll never watch that movie again. I mean, if we're, we were, if a bunch of us were getting together to go, I'd probably go with you guys. But like, yeah, like it's, it's a, it's, it's our generation's Rocky horror. It's, it's a audience it's Mystery Science Theater 3000 live. Like you're in an auditorium with a bunch of people who are all making fun of the movie together. You're not watching it for like its visual presentation or its dialogue or anything. Like you're watching it to see if somebody is going to make a joke that you haven't heard before at the film's expense. And then you're there for flying spoons and stuff like that. But I had the worst experience ever the very first time I ever watched the movie because there was all this hype around it. And I was like, man, I really want to see this movie. So I was working with Dion one night and I said, hey, Dion, do you mind if I fire up the room? Because like everybody talks about it and I don't know anything about it. Like, can I watch it? And she's like, absolutely. So I watched that entire movie by myself, sitting in a theater oh, alone, not knowing anything about the movie. And literally it got over and I, I, I let, you know, it was two o'clock in the morning or whatever. And I went and found Dion and I was like, why the fuck do people like this movie? That was the worst thing I've ever seen. Like, there was, it made no sense. There was nothing good about it. And she was like, yeah, it's not good. And then the next night when I was working at the movie theater, Ryan, I was complaining to Ryan about it. I was like, why is why do people like this movie? That was the worst thing I've ever sat through in my entire life. And he was like, you should go into, you know, theater six or whatever. Just, just pop in there for a little while. And that's when I walked in that night and got the audience experience about what was going on. And it would completely changed. Like, it's something you have to see with an audience. It is not something you should ever watch by yourself. As far as, you I had fun that night. It was similar to a night when I went to go see, and I don't remember who who else was there that night with me. I was uh, working. I, I went to see Friday the 13th Part 3 over at Castleton. Okay. And that crowd was, it was that kind of crowd. They were awesome. into it. They were cracking jokes. They were, it was a blast. Yeah, I don't think I would have been there because I I went to the employee screening of that one. Like I might have been before. there with Dave on the Friday the Thirteenth. So because yeah, I watched that, I don't know how many times. But all I can all I can say is I just remember Jason Mayer for years trying to get me to go see this Room movie <laughs> thing, and I'm just like, and so finally Jenny and I went one night at midnight, a uh, handful of years ago to Landmark and saw it. And I was just like, whoa. Okay, <laughs> I get how people. Are, I get how people are into that. I would be curious as to what that film is grossed, just on its like specialty showings and stuff. At this point, yeah, yeah I mean, uh, twenty years of doing this. Mm -hmm. you would think is there be. a gross on it right now? I can. I'll look it up while yeah. you guys are talking. Look up that okay. box of his mojo. Uh, so that was a great coming attraction. So lots of good dialogue in there and a lot of fun. Um, and that's all we're moving to what's called My First Time. It used to be called Virgin Viewing, but I thought that might not go over very well. 
Uh, so we call it My First Time, and it's something that you've seen recently for the very first time that, like, wh whether you liked it or hated it or however you felt about it, just something you want to talk about that you just saw for the first time recently. Jaybird, what's on your mind? Oh, gosh. Um, uh, well, on I just watched uh, on uh, Max, I just watched a, um, a documentary on Donna Summer. Oh, and okay. I didn't, I didn't realize how much I just didn't know about Donna Summer because he, I knew Donna Summer existed back in her, you know, peak period in the late seventies, early eighties with disco and stuff, and but didn't know a lot about her personal life, and so I've kind of been in a documentary funnel lately and such. So I watched that, and that was really good, and. Um, it, it's one of those things too like again i didn't know her story and then you know there's tragic involved and you think like good gosh how much more did are you going to hear of what the the hell that women went through you know mm. in their lifetime and whatnot and such um and then also the same thing with uh watched another documentary on max called um something that is about mary tyler moore Oh, and what a trailblazer she was and how she kind of, you know, uh, put uh, women on the map for, you know, it's OK to be single when, you know, she had the Mary Tyler Moore show and blah, 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 etc. It, it was just a great documentary. So I recommend nice. those two documentaries if you've got Max. Very cool. Uh, Mr. Dave Mayer, what's your uh, first uh, time viewing? I. Uh, before I say what movie it is, and it's been out for years, I just saw it. But Jason, I'm with you, man. I, I've been watching some documentaries about bands and musicians and things like that. There was a great one on the Go-Go's. I thought that was phenomenal. Really? Uh, there was a good one about Alanis Morissette. Very cool. Uh, so I, I'm digging all those. Uh, but the movie that I've recently watched, which had been out for years, mm -hmm. uh, I was flip. I was I was home recently on a medical issue, and I was flipping around the channels and uh, looking for something to watch. It's the middle of the day, and the Manchurian Candidate popped up. The new one, the like 2016 one or whatever. No, no, this is the one with uh, uh, the original. Dustin Hoffman. Say that again. Dustin Hoffman. Nope. So it would be the 20. Was it 2016 or the Denzel Washington? Dell? Denzel. Okay, then that was uh, would have been in the 2000s oh, okay. somewhere. And it had the guy that played Wolf. Uh, Meryl Streep was Wolf. in it, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Leo Shriver. Leo Shriver. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know what you guys thought of that movie, but I, I like started, I, I was just flipping around for something to watch, and I said, huh, I don't think I've ever seen this, and I had heard of it a couple times, and I looked at the cast was really good. It was a good cast, but the movie itself was just kind of and that, that there's yeah. nothing to say, but I was I was I was just stunned that I had not seen this because you got to think I mean who, who with that cast yeah. it would be something I would watch and right. for missed yeah. it. And I think I'm kind of glad I missed it uh it wasn't great no, uh Denzel was great in everything he does he really is he's good at everything he does um uh but yeah ugh. It was not a movie I would ever recommend to anybody. Mm -hmm. Mr. Jason Mayer, do you have a room box office mojo update for us? Yeah, weirdness. Um, 
I, I, it says all releases, so I don't know if like he's getting a bigger cut of this that doesn't get reported or something because of the fact that he's the one a lot of times releasing it. Sure, but it only says worldwide. Uh, it says a domestic gross is five forty nine. Oh, it's got to be more than that. Five hundred forty nine thousand, and it says the worldwide is four point nine. So I'm betting the international the international uh, money is probably correct for the international stuff, but I, there's got to be something where he's just renting out this video himself and getting the ticket sales directly to him or something because be. we know that that domestic is not right, huh? It's a packed house when you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's so, got to be a millionaire at this point. Absolutely. And that first movie theater that it ever showed in, they played it for something like almost 20 straight years every weekend. It was a it was a Friday, Saturday midnight movie. And like you don't go for that long of a period of time selling out that auditorium and end up with five hundred and forty nine thousand dollars. Like, yeah, no, yeah, this is very weird. something that we'll never know the true number. And I mean, so. that. That fits the bill for Tommy's life. We don't know how he paid to make the movie. We don't know how much money we don't know he where actually, he came from. We don't know what country he's at. His his accent changes more than mine in our mobster movie. Like, yeah, it's it's what's all the secret. one main line. For, what's the one main line from that movie? You're tearing oh, me apart, Lisa. Lisa, that's yeah. Okay, <laughs> uh, Mr. What Mayor, what is Mr. Jason Mayer? What's your first time viewing? No, you you go first. Okay. Um, I guarantee you're not, I guarantee you you're not stealing it this month. Um, nope. Just all right. Just a couple of days ago, a new television uh, show dropped on Hulu. They dropped the entire season. Um, it's one that I really got emotionally invested in last year when the first season came out. Um, I put it right between Ted Lasso and Shrinking for me. Uh, it's a show called The Bear. It's on Hulu. Um, it's about service industry life. Or at least last year when I saw the preview for it, that's what I thought it was about. Um, basically, this chef who works in New York at a five-star restaurant, his brother commits suicide. So he moves back to Chicago to take over the family's business. It's like a sub, not a sub shop, like an Italian beef shop. Uh, they do, you know, Chicago dogs and stuff like that there. But so he comes back from working at the five-star restaurant. Like he went to school to be a chef. Like, so he was you know, big and famous in the in the food industry world, comes back, takes over this restaurant. And like, that's what I thought it was going to be about. I thought it was going to be about him adjusting and the, the work family that he made in the service industry. But man, that movie is so much deeper than that and deals with so much trauma, grief, regret, um, family stuff, like just all how all these family members and like cousins and things like that are dealing with the fact. And uh, the brother that commits suicide is played by John Barenthal. So you kind of get him every now and then when they do flashbacks uh, to when his character was still alive. So, uh, man, really loved the first season. And then, like, so it dropped, uh, I don't know, like Wednesday or Thursday. And so that's literally all I did yesterday was sat on my couch, watched all 12 episodes of season two. And it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal in the same way that Ted Lasso is phenomenal because it literally just shows you how different people process grief differently. Um and man, it just, it was a great watch yesterday. Emotional roller coaster, lots of fun. But um, I would say people who've ever been in the service industry will probably uh, uh, relate to it a lot more than anybody who hasn't. But I still think 
much like football and uh and Ted Lasso, it's not a prerequisite to enjoy the show. So I would recommend it to anybody that that like again, like with trauma and grief and processing all that stuff, Ted Lasso is number one, the bear would be number two, and then a show called Shrinking on Apple would be number three for just shows I've watched recently that have just really kind of helped me with what I've gone through over the last year. So uh, yeah, season two of The Bear is out now on Hulu. Uh, free ad for them. Uh, Jason, you. Um, so uh, Shane, I told you a little bit about this show. Um, I ended up binge watching all like, it was either six or eight episodes just last Saturday because I was just, uh, or maybe it was the week before. I can't remember, but um, just um, it's called Tex-Mex Motors. Oh, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of cool. It's on Netflix. Think of like Pimp My Ride, kind of. Uh, so essentially what happened is that all these classic cars in the United States have shot up way, way high in value. And so they sell for top dollar. The the issue being is that they cost top dollar to purchase so that you can super get them fixed up to sell them again. So if you're trying to flip them, it doesn't, it costs a lot of money to do that and get into that world. Well, this um this garage of ragtag people just decided to join together for a summer and they drive into Mexico because Mexico has tons and tons of these cars just sitting there. And a lot of people, they're either in junkyards or on the side of the road or like people might sell them their vehicle if they see a car that they like enough kind of thing. And so they drive down to Mexico, buy it really cheap comparatively drive it back over the border, soup it all up, pimp your ride style, and and then flip them and uh and sell it to make money. So like they do a um they do a 911 Porsche uh oh, Porsche, wow. sorry, Porsche. Porsche. And then uh they uh they do a they do a VW bug, they do a van like a Dodge van. They do it's it's just kind of cool. Um I've always in, uh, they do a classic Mustang. They do um, uh, an '80s IROC Z Camaro. Like oh. so, um, yeah. There's it's so there's just and just being an admirer of cars, especially classic or car, more classic cars. That uh, it's just kind of interesting and cool to watch. And then I was like, I'd watch a couple of episodes and I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm done. And then like something would happen and I'd be like, all right, I'll watch the next one. And then uh, <laughs> executive produced by AC Slater himself, Mario really? Lopez. Um, but uh, yeah, so, but it, you know, it, if it, it's nothing like I was cleaning dishes, making lunch for the kids while this was on, it wasn't sure. something where I had to be like, what's happening next, but it was definitely something entertaining uh, they don't use a whole lot of creative language, so uh, it was okay to have on with the kids nearby for the most part. So, um, but yeah, so that's what I watched recently that was kind of decent. Nice. Can, can I tell what? you something real quick? There was a move. My wife works in San Francisco and she has to fly out there about once a month. She's out there for a couple of days. My friend Joel says, Dave, you got to watch this movie on Netflix. And it's uh, Carrie Russell. And she's the groomer her to be the vice president. I'm trying to remember the name. Remember. Yeah, the, the candidate or something. Yeah, um, so I start watching it after Joel's recommendation. 15 minutes in, I go, I'm going to stop now because my wife will want to watch this. So we'll watch it <laughs> together. 
true story. She flies home and uh, Friday, I said, honey, there's this show I want you to watch it. Check it out. Now, my bedtime is usually 9.30. So like tonight's a special occasion, but usually 9.30. It. Started watching about seven. So we got through three episodes, two episodes downstairs and went upstairs, watch one more. And I said, honey, I got to go to bed. She goes, well, I might watch one more episode. <laughs> fine, fine. Yeah, you all know what happened. So oh, yeah. that night, bed in the middle and I wake up the next day and I see her and I go, you watched the whole damn thing, didn't you? And she goes, yeah, but I'll watch it again with you. I was like, nope, no, 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 no need. I'm not going to watch it now. I tried to make her feel guilty. I don't think she felt that guilty. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see that. I know what you're talking about. It's good show, though. Uh, the first three episodes were really good. Cool. All right, guys. Good times. Good times. We have come to one of the favorite parts of this show now where we jump over to myself and Mr. Troy Myers, where we are going to discuss, um, I don't even know, because he said he didn't really care about talking about kids' movies. So we're probably going to talk a lot about Dazed and Confused, like we always do when Troy's on to this halftime show. But him and I just went and saw Dazed and Confused at the Art Craft last week. So I have a feeling we'll actually be talking about that. Uh, so here is future Shane and future Troy having a conversation. And here we are at Troy's Halftime Talk. This month we're talking about animated films, kids movies, working at General Cinema Clearwater, all that kind of fun stuff. But uh, before we get into that, uh, I know this is Troy's Halftime Talk, but I'm going to kind of take over for, for a few minutes because I got some stuff to say about you, my brother. So let me, let me speak my mind for a minute. Uh, uh -oh. Last weekend, you sent out a text. I, I like... Well, like a week and a half ago now, you sent out a text and you reminded a bunch of our friends about what you talked about on last month's podcast. You talked about the screening of Dazed and Confused at the Art Craft. Yes, I happen to have no plans on Saturday night when you sent that text out. And I was like, you know what? I want to go hang out with Troy. And, and yeah. as I was thinking about it, it was like over the last like 15, 20 years, you and I have hung out a lot. But it's always usually been in a group like poker nights draft days for fantasy football you know random get-togethers you know at, at zach's house or something like that but like we really the last time i remember it ever just being you and me hanging out was on the floor of your mom's house your bedroom on the floor of your mom's house when we Most would likely. get it when i would come over with a six-pack and we would just drink and you would show me vhs tapes of shit that you had randomly weirdly cut together and like made your art the way that you made it on those VHS stuff and whatnot. Yeah, so like it had been a long, long, long time since just you and I got together and hung out. We grabbed dinner at the Willard beforehand. That pizza was absolutely amazing. I think it might be my favorite pizza I've ever eaten recently, at least that I could remember. It was even the next day reheating the leftovers was delicious. You had a, uh, a tenderloin that you said was one of the best tenderloins you've ever had. Um, yeah, easily like the best tenderloin I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, man, I ate so out much you, food that day. I felt like <laughs> I felt like complete garbage the next day. But, bro, hanging out with you that night, just one on one, and just like because you and I are both very much alpha males. When you and I are in a group, <laughs> I would not ever call myself an alpha male. You but sure. <laughs> definitely are an alpha male, my friend. You, you and I both have the same personality where we want the attention, we want to make people laugh, mm, we want to be I ridiculous. Uh, yes, you uh, trust me as your friend. Uh, everything I say is true. You uh, you, right. you take a lot of cheap shots at me, all in jest, all in fun, and I <laughs> it, it's it's a good time, man. But we, 
I wouldn't say we we butt heads in a comedic way when we're in a group because we both just want to be the funniest dude in the room. But bro, hanging out with you solo on Saturday night was an absolute blast. Just shooting the shit, two dudes talking about movies, talking about film, talking about music. The fact like we found out that number one, like on my drive down, I was listening to a podcast, the 60 songs uh, about the 90s, uh, the 60 songs that defined the 90s or whatever it's called. I've, uh, and I was I've like, listened to every episode of that. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, I bet Troy would really like this. I want to talk to him about it. And sure enough, you, you've listened to it long before me and a lot more than me. I'll say this. I I'm about the, halfway I through the, the picture on your phone and I was like, hey, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I was like, I'm about halfway through the Chumbawamba episode right now and it is phenomenal. I thought Chumbawamba was a one hit wonder band. I had no idea that they were an anarchist punk band in the 80s, far before um, I ever still, heard any music by them. Both of those things can be true at the same <laughs> time. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, so yeah, but uh, like uh, I'm listening to the Chumbawamba episode now, but then like we found out that we both like hot ones, uh, like just all kinds of stuff. Just talking to you that night was just awesome to like connect with you on this level that like we are very, very similar. And it was a blast just no, to don't say share. That. Shut up, man. <laughs> it's a, I, I aspire to be as cool as you, my friend. There you uh, go. You could say that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, but it was a blast hanging out. It was a blast watching the movie with you, watching it in 35 millimeter, like seeing film grain, like it's something I really miss going to the movies these days. So getting to see film grain on the movie, the movie, and I don't love the movie the same way you love the movie because you let everybody know last month how much you love the movie. But I absolutely enjoyed watching it with you, man. It was so much fun to hang out and like... I'm glad you sent that text because if you had not sent that text out reminding people that you were going, I I wouldn't have been there. But I had a great time hanging out with you last weekend, man. I mean, that was by design. Uh, <laughs> Days and Confused is not just one of the greatest movies of all time, but it is a movie that invites you to have a lived experience with it. Okay. In that you can easily and accessibly in America find yourself in the same state of mind as characters in Days and Confused. Sure. Yep. Small town America, baby. Oh yeah. Uh, I, um, I was I was impressed and surprised by the number of young people that were at this screening uh, with their is. parents. Yeah. Hey, man. I mean, this should be a generational movie. This it is cool. The American the american graffiti of our generation um, oh okay and it's just a great great time uh i could just talk about that for the next five minutes but <laughs> i do that every episode so well i i do watch other movies though that's true do you watch um, animated do you watch animated movies do you like animated uh, movies i try not to oh well um, that's gonna I make think... that's gonna make this choice halftime talk real quick i mean well i mean trying not to and still having like a daughter who's 11 oh, so like you have a daughter it's not exactly like i have a complete choice in the matter at all times um Truth. so yeah i've seen my fair share of animated movies um i don't really like a lot of them okay uh, is there a reason why you don't like them uh i think because they're animated you, you didn't grow up watching animated movies i mean sure i grew up watching cartoons and animated movies but like i didn't okay. i i always preferred people okay <laughs> Like, right. you know, like a non-drawn people. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, like, I feel like animation in a way, like, it's like the cheap way out of, like, that? good storytelling. Because it's like, 
like okay like okay like movies right mm -hmm. like like if you're going to make a movie like you're constrained by like what you can physically actually do right yep and so you know i generally tend to like plug like turn off when the like palette becomes so exponential that like you don't actually have to work within any constraints to tell a story okay you know like um like uh i hold it against something like avatar right okay that like you don't even have to make sense because like you can just draw your way out of it you can just animate your way out of it and it's just like okay cool like infinite creativity but like infinite creativity shows like no artistry <laughs> so in this example are you sense. lumping cgi in with like hand-drawn animation they're they're of the very same they're of kind of like the same ilk they can both okay. be like overused and exploited to like paper over cracks in good okay. storytelling cracks in logic or just like i have a whimsical fantastical idea and so you know i don't have the technical brilliance to make that happen on like real film so like let's just draw it or let's just make a computer make it or just like whatever dude it's just a cheap way out interesting okay uh and so so i generally tend to find that animated movies are more spectacle than like anything that like emotionally resonates and you know me if like a movie doesn't emotionally resonate with me like i've got no real time for it whatsoever okay mm -hmm. uh so there's like hundreds of thousands of animated movies. What are the chances you could pick four for a Mount Rushmore that you might not hate? Okay, no, I mean, okay, yeah, I thought about this. I was just like, all right, cool. Okay, um, okay I'll start with like the the farthest face, okay. um, you know, slave owner number four on the fucking uh, <laughs> Mount Rushmore. Um, like uh i'm gonna throw out like a triptych of movies that like okay. i would not have seen had my daughter not been in my life okay um and i think they're all recent disney movies um oh. the, the princess and the frog brave okay. and tangled okay. okay um they're all like they're all kind of of the same mold where like the princess is truly like the heroine and not just mm -hmm. kind of like waiting around for like magic to happen or a man to save her or they're just kind of like doing it for themselves and so like even though you know there's some things in those movies and i'm just like all right this is this is a little bit of a broken reality here but we'll just accept it and move on um but yeah they're all pretty good at like pushing a better message than okay. most animated movies and so i put them on the mount rushmore because i appreciate the attempt okay Plus, uh, the Princess and the Frog has an alligator that plays uh, fucking trumpet. And he's like modeled after Louis Armstrong, and that mm -hmm. is like one of my favorite movie characters of the last like maybe like ten years. Nice, <laughs> Dude, right awesome. On. Lewis, Lewis is rad. Um, now I guess uh, the you know third prez uh, <clears throat> on this Mount Rushmore um, movie from when I was a kid, An American Tale. Hell yes! Word! I, got, oh, I like that one. That one's good. American Tale is sad as shit. It is? Oh yeah. And so, like, like, What's the song? Know, Somewhere so, Out There? 
Yeah, dude, the songs somewhere out there. Like, uh, I remember when I was like in fourth grade, some girl sang that at the talent show, and it was like really (laughs) good. And I was like, oh damn, like five old, five old bro. So like, we got to give a shout out to that movie. Oh yeah, any any feelings on Five Old Goes West? Uh, I don't remember. I mean, I know I saw Five Old Goes West, but I don't remember it. So clearly, like, clearly it didn't have me in tears. Which sure. is something that like animated movies used to do when we were a kid a lot. They were like, "Oh no, we're gonna fucking make you cry, you little bastards!" <laughs> Before you get this redemptive arc, like they're just like, "Hey." Um. So yeah. Uh, great, great choice. Two, right there. Number two is a uh, an animated short. Um, okay. Uh, YouTube it. You can find it. It's called The Dot in the Line. Okay. Um, I believe it's but made by Chuck Jones, the guy that did a lot of Looney Tunes. Okay. Um, it is about a dot and a line. Okay. And um, the differences in them and learning to like play to their strengths to, uh, you know, yeah, it's um, it's a really interesting. Uh, it's like maybe ten minutes long. Okay. Um, and it's just about like uh, the greatest human quality being adaptability. So the the dot in the line, yeah, the dot in the line. Okay, I'll have to check it out. Uh, and then uh, the number one greatest animated movie of all time mm-hmm. is uh, the first ten minutes of Up. <laughs> <laughs> Not the shitty part where the fat kid comes and they go on the balloon adventure <laughs> with the talking dog. Sure. The part where like he meets his wife, they yep. fall in love, and she dies. <laughs> like. <laughs> Every time I watch this thing, I'm just like crying like a fucking baby at the sure. end of this thing. And then, and then this fucking movie, and this is why I fuck Pixar. Always <laughs> fuck Pixar. And then this movie, after making this like ending or this like beginning, this beginning 10 minute scene, which is like probably the most brilliant thing I've ever seen animated. I agree. It makes a movie about a fat kid. <laughs> going up into a balloon paradise to like chase after a male Amelia Earhart. Fuck you, dude. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> fuck, yeah. fuck you for life, Pixar. Interesting. Like, That's, uh, I do agree with you 100%. Like that, the opening of that movie is far superior to the rest of the film. Like The I opening totally to that movie, I'm like, you could have just made this as a movie. Yep. And I've been like, cool, dude. Let's watch this. Yeah. Like, that, that opening is is really really good. Yeah, no, it's it's literally like a you know painting the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel and then fucking taking a shit on it. <laughs> so, I mean, like that would be really Pixar. hard to do as far as gravity yeah, yeah. is concerned. Yeah, that's that's how that's how amazingly like skillful at like trashing its own thing Pixar actually is. Um, I could buy that. Yeah, no. So um yeah yeah fuck Pixar um mainly fuck them because like their reputation for being like a like oh so for adults and blah 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 it's like get out of here. Not a fan of Toy Story or Toy Story Two? Nope, don't care. Okay, all right. I thought the kid that would like fucking like light the shit on fire and like stick (laughs) firecrackers on his GI Joes. That kid was way cooler. Like who cares? Yeah, Sid. He seemed like a nice guy. (laughs) um yeah no i just don't i just don't get like i'm just like you're not uh i'm just like you know what like make minions 
okay. Like, if you're gonna make like if you're gonna make something animated, like make something stupid and okay. like that I don't have to think about and it might actually make me laugh, like minions. Uh, so being that you at one point worked at Castleton Arts and uh, like Princess Mononoke and Howl's Moving Castle and no. like none of those like artsy animated things are your jam. I mean, Spirited Away, animation and like magic and like whimsy and all this shit go hand in hand, really. And it's okay. just like, no, uh, yeah, no, like, uh. I always feel like when I watch like Princess Mononoke or the Spirited Away, like uh-huh. I always feel like I'm missing something. Like I'm just kind of like, if it's maybe just like I don't have the cultural background to like understand some of these references, uh-huh. I don't understand like why this story takes these turns that like make no sense to me. Um, and so it it's always just kind of seems like it's just elusively out there. Okay. It's like, um, are you like a David Lynch person? Absolutely a David Lynch person, 100%. And I think that's okay. why some of the weird shit in those movies I'm oh, okay yeah. with. So, like, I'm a David Lynch person up to a point. Okay. Like, like I like, I like Blue Velvet. Like, I think okay. that movie is, like, rife with, like, interesting things that actually, yeah. like go to like add to the story and like you add layers and context and things like that and then you but get something like Mulholland a Mulholland drive? drive or like a, a lost highway especially yep. and i'm just <laughs> like this is just not making sense to not make it's sense not, yes you were correct and i'm just like and so like i always kind of get caught in this like this like kind of like way of thought with like a like the Miyazaki movies where I'm just kind of okay. like dude are you just is this making sense or is this just like not making sense to not make sense like and I was just like with David Lynch I'm just like all right there's some aesthetic value there sure. sometimes and I guess there is with Miyazaki too even though I don't really enjoy the animation aesthetic as it sure. were um and so I guess I give David Lynch a bit a little bit more leash with that type of shit but ultimately those things always lose me because i just think it's like weak storytelling well let's change it off from this real quick i'm just curious what's your feel what's your opinion on straight story oh i like straight story that guy was so pleasant uh richard farnsworth or whatever his name was Uh, yeah no it was great like i mean was it my favorite david lynch movie no was it my favorite movie of that year or anything no but did I enjoy it for like the 90 minutes that it was on? And was I like rooting for that guy? And did I enjoy the fact that like David Lynch just came out and told like a kind of nice story? That, yeah. Something you know, that he, I don't think he's ever done since then. Like it's his one off that doesn't yeah. follow his other like patterns. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like it's okay to be, you can be weird. Like, I mean, Blue Velvet's weird. Yep. Wild at Heart is weird, but they yep. like make sense. They go someplace. They yep. You walk out of that movie and I can go, all right, so this is what happened. As opposed to like, you walk out of the Lost Highway and you're just like, explain this to me in like <laughs> less than an hour. Oof, and it's just yeah, like, that'd be tough. Well, you know, it's like when it, whenever you read a film review and it talks about like metaphysics and philosophy and like mm-hmm. all this, shit, it's basically just like, papering over the fact that the movie makes no goddamn sense to anybody 
and that if you can explain it away and you have to use like research in like textbooks to do it mm-hmm. it's not a good movie <laughs> all right i can buy that yep all right man well uh this is your halftime show you got anything left to say uh you got anything go see the coming movie, up? Uh, uh do not go see the movie asteroid city really <laughs> just wait i mean it's a wes like, anderson movie it's that's just, the thing. Like, I am not a Wes Anderson fan anymore. I think Rushmore is the only movie he's ever made that I've enjoyed, and everything since then I've hated. But that one made me go, "Oh, maybe I'm going to give this a chance." But not see, if I you say that. I haven't seen it, so I, I shouldn't oh. dog it. <laughs> but I have a personal beef with the, the the Asteroid City spillover crowd that spilled over into a movie that I watched on Friday night, which I am going to recommend. What's that? Uh, it's it's a movie called Past Lives. Um, okay. It is playing at the Can Can. Okay. Um, it is like it is a lovely romance, a okay. slow burner, and it has one of the best endings that I've seen in a really long time. So good. Oh, uh, yeah. I've never heard of this movie. I don't know well, any of these people in the cast. Is it subtitled? No. Well, it's parts no? of it are. Parts of it are, okay. but most of it takes place in New York City, and okay, you know, yeah, but I've uh, never even heard of it. Yeah, you will when it wins like five Oscars next year. Right on, nice. <laughs> next March, it's uh, Past Lives. It's amazing. Uh, cool. Go watch it. Says playing at the Can Can. Yep. Cool. And then by this time next month, uh, I will have watched both Oppenheimer and Barbie in the same day, and we can have a <laughs> recap of that. Cool. Well, next month's theme is Ted Lasso, so you've also got a month to watch three seasons of Ted Lasso. Well, nothing's going to make me more positive than uh, Oppenheimer and Barbie. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, cool, brother. Yeah, As always, I appreciate your time every month. And see which one makes you sadder. <laughs> yeah. I love Nolan, but I don't like Nolan when he does stuff like that. I did not like Dunkirk at all. Um, oh, man. Uh, see, I like Dunkirk. Dunkirk's a nice little movie. No, Dunkirk was terrible, but yeah. Man. So cool. Well, we'll have a we'll have a Nolan Barbie. I will not be seeing Barbie anytime soon. So you'll have to give me your, you'll have to sell that to me if you think I need to go watch that. But I will probably have seen Oppenheimer. All right, man. Cool. Well, All right, brother. As always, I appreciate your time every month. It is a pleasure talking to you. Later, get it. Later, brother. Oh, let's go back to like I am terrible about sending it back to myself. Let's go back to Shane, Jason, Jason, and uh, Dave. And that was an exciting conversation that pretty much went how I expected, but then again, also threw me for a curveball like Troy tends to do. So, uh, neither one of you guys have been on since part three. So, part three on the uh, episode now is called Mount Rushmore. We pick a topic every month. See, I got it right. I didn't say week this time. Good job, Shane. Every month. We pick a topic. We have you guys tell us your top four in that category. This month, because we're doing kids' movies, summer movie camp themed, I went with PG animated movies. I mean, I guess it doesn't have to be PG, but like Heavy Metal was out. South Park is out. Like, I want to know, like, the kids' animated movies that you still love at this point in your life. And this time we'll start with Dave Mayer. Let's let's hear your Mount Rushmore, sir. Uh, I would say Iron Giant I love. Uh, Good. That would be on awesome. Um, I would say, um, uh, Hercules, I, I, I really like really? Disney's, I just like the music. I like this, the style. It's a different kind of thing going on in there. 
Um, Roger Rabbit, if we can okay. consider that. Half and half. Yep. All out. Uh, movie. And then this is my thing with uh, my son Benjamin and I. And uh, I, I, I have to admit it. I, I really love Frozen. I think it's a great movie. I think the, 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 the I think the, the soundtrack is great. Um, the, 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 the animation's fantastic. I like the story, everything. So that would be my four Mount Rushmore movies. Right. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Close yep. one, Jay. Transformers almost made it, but uh, that was a tough one. But I had to pick one over it. Interesting. So, Good. On a sidebar, hey, guess what, Shane? The 3D in Frozen is absolutely amazing, by the way. So if you ever have the opportunity or want to see it in 3D, you can come over to my house and be happy to show it to you. The 3D is perfect in that film, especially when she builds the ice castle. Hey, man, can I ask you a question real quick off topic? Ice castle? Is there any 3D movie that you actually don't like the 3D in? Yeah, no, every time plenty. you try to sell it to me, you're like, the 3D in this movie is great. There are there's there some are? there are some that are absolutely just blah or okay. absolutely horrible. And my, uh, what was that? My bloody Valentine. You know, I've never seen that in 3D. Uh, but the 3D group I'm a part of says that the 3D is really decent in that one. I I'm I can I have to abstain because I've never seen it in 3D. Fresh and like okay. Oh. Oh, that it's the movie itself can be bad. It's about the the how it works three D wise. So, yeah. But yeah. So there's well, some that I. I just realized also I'm, later at the end of the episode we'll announce our next Jason talks episode since we've since we've set that up. But we need to do Jason talks three D at some point, and you can get some of these people in this three D group that you're in to come on here and try to convince me. Or no, I'll take that month off. I'll take that month off. You can get three of your 3D buddies on here, and it can just be a 3D circle jerk. We're good. I'm good. Uh, don't need uh, to well, do. I want to. I want to see that episode. I don't want to see me and three other dudes circle jerk. I'm good. Hey, can I ask you a question? Do those adult movies come in 3D? Because they I do. Would... Dude, get out of town. You've got to be kidding me. I, I I don't own any. I will admit to that one. I don't own any of those. But yes, apparently those are made in 3D. So more than that, I have also heard that those adult style films are also done in VR for people who have VR headsets. That I've, is correct. I've heard about that also. So Boogie Nights this... would be a. Sh <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Jason Richardson. Let me hear your four animated films. You know, I don't really have a four. I really? You can't I have a with love, four animated I, movies you like? I have a love-hate relationship with animation. Okay, let me hear this. I um, I can appreciate animation. It takes adults, pretty much, that, that, that make animated films and such. I like that they're offered and there's an audience for it, but, like, um, it's kind of hit or miss with me on animation. Um... I think a lot of times um, the, when you start the story out, the beginning is the best, in my opinion. I like the, the beginning part of animated films. And then as you get further into it, it's like all the same. You know what I mean? It's just it's like, okay. you know. So I get a little bored with animated films. Mm. But there is 
one animated film, and I, I'm sure I could probably think of more, but there's one that just to me is my ultimate uh, animation film, kids movie, and um, it's I do believe it's Pixar. Um, it's Ratatouille. Oh, oh great yeah. movie! Yep, Ratatouille. It just it just had heart, and I love that it was about a chef, and the little rat wanted to help the chef out and cook, and it was just very cute, and it was just, it was nice to see, like, Paris as the background, and and I was totally into that movie, like, from beginning to end. I was not bored one bit at all throughout that movie, um, and then I would say probably next would be probably Up. Okay. okay. Absolutely. Because it, Up was probably the first animated movie that i watched where it almost did the story was so good and it was about character that it didn't seem animated and you felt the emotion and and with the 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 older man and the loss of his wife and with then the relationship that he builds with the kid and and stuff and so those are two that stick out to me the most so Cool. Uh, so pick two more because this is called Mount Rushmore, not Half Rushmore. Um, if I had two more, Iron Giant, I, 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 I need to go back and watch it because I don't, I forget it. But everyone just raves about it, so I need to go back and, and watch Iron Giant. But if I had to pick two others, um, I. Uh, Do you know what year the Iron Little Giant was Mermaid, released Little in? Mermaid. Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid. The original okay. Little Mermaid. Uh, back in the late eighties, um, and then I'll go with um, I don't know, hundred and one Dalmatians. Okay, all right, we we got you there. We got you to four animated movies that you don't hate. Actually, take that back. Let me take one on one. Lady Tramp. There you go. Okay. okay, there we go. So we got Pixar, Pixar, Disney, Disney. Nice. Uh, Jason, you want to go next? Or you want me to go next? Uh, I'll go next. Uh, I'll make a couple of comments really quick, though. Yep. Um, just saw Elemental last night. Okay. Uh, or two nights ago with my kiddos. Mm -hmm. um, wasn't expecting anything out of this movie. Mm -hmm. Literally walked in. Just I was like, I, <laughs> Chris made a comment and I said, look, Chris, if I like it, I'll stay awake. If I don't, I'm going to take a power nap. And it's okay. Either way, I don't mind. Um. Um actually teared up a couple of times in that really? movie enjoyed enjoyed it overall it's a it, it was um it was a pleasant surprise that it wasn't uh it wasn't too crazy it was it was it just it was it was a cute movie it's not pixar's best by any stretch but uh but uh to give you a couple of other side stories for kids movies real quick while we're talking about it though yeah. the other one that makes me uh you said jaybird that uh you actually connected emotionally with up now up screwed me up that first like 20 minutes of that movie wrecked me uh personally was going through some stuff as a as a wannabe father at that point in time and knew some people who had gone through some stuff so that uh the first 20 minutes wrecked me um so i'm totally with you on that the other one was coco at the end of that mm -hmm. movie there is a point in time where something happens and I'm sitting there and I'm, I, I mean, like tears are flowing, but I'm not like sobbing or anything. And I was like, man, 
man, I can't believe this. I hope I'm okay. I hope the and, and I, I don't want the kids to see this. And I turn and both my boys were just like exploding, like oh, wow. bawling their eyes out. Um, so I, I, I connect with um, animated movies a lot of the time. Uh, and that's the main reason I'm picking the four that I am picking for my Mount Rushmore. Uh, two of them, mainly because of the greatness they hold in my heart from when I was young. First one I'm going to mention is Peter Pan. Peter Pan is um, my all-time Disney classic film, as far as I'm concerned. And <laughs> I've mentioned it on this podcast many times before. Anything before 89 and Little Mermaid is considered a classic Disney. Anything after that is post-classic for me personally. Um, so Peter Pan is my all-time classic film that I think is um, just, uh, I remember loving it when I was a kid and just the whole story is great. Um, second up is another pre-classic or oh, classic Disney film. And that's the great mouse detective. Uh, had a oh, yeah. great, great time seeing that I was, uh, I was in kindergarten. We had a special trip as kindergarten class to go to the, the movie theater on the post when we were in Germany and uh, they took us and we, and I saw it that and there and, uh, and it's just so all the smart stuff that we like in movies nowadays, the snarkiness and the smart comments and the quick comebacks. It's one of the first movies I can think of, like from a time perspective that they had that in there, um, especially with a kid's movie. It's very, it's very quick witted um, and it works really well for that movie for me. Um, next to Shane's going to love this, a 1999 movie, Tarzan. It just totally uh, the style of the animation, the beginning, the beginning portion of that movie until she saves Tarzan uh, is just it is awesome. Hits you hits me right in the fields every time. Um, but I loved him like sliding skateboard wise on all the vines. Um, but yeah, I just I love that movie. And then the next one, I'm going to cheat. It's three movies all rolled into one because it's my favorite trilogy animated of all time um first one was great the second one is almost as great as the first one oh, and the third okay. just a step tiny step down uh is how to train your dragon and oh. it's just this wonderful story of two people two beings from different backgrounds becoming best friends taking care of one another growing together seeing each other have families and then, uh, yeah, so that's my uh, that's my Mount Rushmore. So right on. I will mention Toy Story should have been up there, except Toy Story three is a stupid movie. So <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, not gonna I'm not gonna lie, I cannot believe the Transformers didn't make it for either you or Dave. Like, I, I I thought that was stewing number one for either one of you. Gotcha, man. Um, those are all a lot of really good things um but mine are I, disney 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 and dreamworks so yeah, sorry about that nothing, there's nothing to be sorry about it that's how you roll that's how you roll um i yeah a lot of my stuff did not get taken that i thought might have uh but yeah so we're gonna go through mine uh my number four uh is the movie that i'm i don't even know if any of you guys are gonna have seen it it's one that i saw as a kid because i am a huge peanuts fan it was called bon voyage charlie brown uh, the Peanuts gang goes over to Europe, and I am pretty sure that this film by itself is what 
started my love and obsession for Europe. Obviously, being an Army brat and living over there later truly helped it also. But I think as a kid, seeing these kids go on an adventure in Dover and in London and then in Paris and then, you know, being, you know, the the thunderstorm scene in Paris was always just like really early in Paris. Like when they're in the city outside of Paris, they have the thunderstorm that they're a part of. Like all of that stuff as a kid, like was just an adventure and made me like romanticize Europe the way that I've never stopped romanticizing it. So I absolutely love Bon Voyage, Charlie Brown. That's my number four. Um, my number that, three. That made, right? that made me think of, um, um, I should have said it, A Race for Your Life, Charlie Brown, where they. Oh, um, yeah. Wasn't it a water rafting or something? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That was, that's, a, that's still a good one. Yeah. There you go. Ah. Yeah, see, we're finding more animated movies you like. Um, my number three relates back to Jason's number ones, which I thought that this movie was going to be on Jason's list was Lilo and Stitch, because that was a movie that I had zero interest in ever seeing. The ads for that movie pissed me off so bad with Stitch ruining, like, classic Disney scenes. I I refused to watch the movie. I was like, I'm, I'm not watching Lilo and Stitch. That looks terrible. And then opening weekend, Jason hits me up. And this happens from time to time where people who know me know movies that I'm going to like. And Jason hit me up and was like, you and I are going to go see Lilo and Stitch this weekend. And I'm like, no, I told you I'm not going to watch it. And he was like, I saw it and I absolutely loved it. And it's a movie that it's exactly the kind of movie that you're going to like. Okay, fine. Jason says I'm going to like it. Let's go watch it. And he was 100% right. That movie, absolutely so much fun. So much ridiculous fun. Like, yeah, I was I was very wrong about my preconceived notions about Lilo and Stitch, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, and the guys who created Lilo and Stitch went on to do the How to Train Your Dragon franchise, which you can definitely see a correlation between those two stories, like the types of stories and what's going on in the Breaker one, one, we've got two adult men going into the kids' movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, we saw it in Greenwood. So I, I don't know if you were working at Greenwood at that time, but uh, Jason and I definitely went and saw it at Greenwood. Uh, my number two uh, is my see. Well, here's what sucks. According to Jason's logic, I can't count this as classic Disney uh, because it did come out after The Little Mermaid. But my timetable for classic Disney goes all the way until about 2000. So I still consider this classic Disney because it was still mostly hand-drawn animation. There was some CGI used in it, uh, but it's one that's just always had a special place in my heart, and that's uh, Beauty and the Beast. Um, I absolutely love the the story and the concept of it. I, you know, the cursed guy who can't find love, like all that kind of shit. Like, you know, definitely, definitely a story that I've enjoyed since I was young. Uh, it meant a lot to me, you know, over the last few years. Um, but yeah, so Beauty and the Beast, definitely, definitely my number two on animation. And then number one, uh, what Dave mentioned earlier, which I watched this morning because I just wanted to make sure that it still holds up. And the Iron Giant is literally the greatest piece of animation I've ever seen in my life. Absolutely a flawless film. Jason Richardson, I would highly recommend going back and giving it another watch. It's just a phenomenal story about being what you want to be and not what you're designed to be. Like the Iron Giant was built to be a weapon and to be, you know, destruction. And Hogarth teaches him to that he doesn't have to be what he was built to be, that he can be whoever he wants and he chooses to be Superman. And very emotional. I mean, I still got as close to crying as I usually do when when he says Superman and flies off. That last scene with the pieces coming, it, it yeah, it 
Well, and that's that's the greatest thing about this and why I'm so glad it was a Warner Brothers project, because we've never got a made-for-TV spinoff TV show about it. We've never got a sequel. We've never got comic books about it. Like, that movie is just that movie, and it is what it is. And Brad Bird has said that he feels like he told the whole story that he wanted to tell, so I don't think we're ever going to see a sequel. Obviously, it sets it up where we could, like, if somebody ever wanted a cash grab they could try to find a way to do it but like i just love the fact that that movie is what it is and i love the fact that it took 2d animation uh the the entire movie is hand drawn except for the iron giant the iron giant was done with cgi so i love the blending of because it's set in the 50s you still get that traditional animation style with the people but then because the iron giant is you know robotic and sci-fi and futuristic he is much more crisp and solid and like looks better than the environment that he's in. And like that movie is literally flawless in my opinion. Like I said, I watched it this morning just because I didn't want to get on here and be like, it's great. And then rewatch it later and be like, mm, maybe I oversold that. There's no overselling that movie. I literally <laughs> think that the story is amazing and phenomenal and it looks beautiful. And the Iron Giant is my number one kids animated movie that I've ever seen. Two right. other movies I enjoy a lot. I'm throwing these out there since you were talking about it. Uh, Emperor's New Groove is very much like your Lilo and Stitch story for me. Like you and I had no expectations. We threw that together for the trade screening. We watched that and we were like, this is amazing. <laughs> um, David yeah. Spade's dialogue in that movie is hilarious. To hear the story about how essentially it was supposed to be like this epic Aztec musical um, oh. that was supposed to be like, huge and dynamic and it was supposed to be like the lion king in aztec essentially uh okay. like it was supposed to be this huge crazy thing and then they just it kept falling apart and they couldn't figure things out and then they were like well we've spent so much money on this we've got to put something together so mm -hmm. then they so it's an accident that is really awesome and so silly I love that movie. I, it also holds a special place in my heart because my kids dance like uh, my kids Cusco. when they were really used to dance like Cusco. And nice. so it's one of those things where every time I think of that movie, I also think of my kids dancing, my little boys and then um, and then Chicken Little. So like not that great of a movie, but I saw it with Justin Michelle and the fish out of water in that movie made me laugh because of him laughing all the time mm -hmm. made me laugh. To an extent that I always thoroughly enjoy watching that movie just because of the uh, that aspect of it. So, but yeah, so those are my two that are always fun. Awesome. Well, we can jump into the feature presentation now. We're going to kind of go a little bit out of order from how I have it on our on our outline, but uh, because we've already talked about two out of the five summer kids movies that came out in the summer of '99, so we're just going to roll off of that real quick. Jason mentioned Tarzan. A couple of us mentioned The Iron Giant. Both came out summer of 99. Both phenomenal animated films. Our other ones that summer that came out for the kids were Muppets in Space, Inspector Gadget, and Dudley Do-Right. So oh, I know cool. I I know I pimp out 1999 as an amazing year in film, but apparently it wasn't such an amazing year in film for kids' movies because those Look summer ones... What's that? Dave, yeah. the way he was laughing just now. Yeah, so, I mean, we did have two great ones. It started off the summer with Tarzan, which was amazing. Ended the summer with the Iron Giant, which was amazing. But that's pretty much all we gave the kids that summer. Um, the rest of that stuff was, that was pretty enough. much garbage. 
Yeah, you think so? I mean, we were slaying for Tarzan. We were slaying for Tarzan. I didn't realize that the Iron Giant was considered a flop. It only made $23 million at the box office on a $70 million budget. So mm -hmm. I never realized that that movie was considered a flop. Like, I mean, in my eyes, if I love something, it it's not a flop. It can't be a flop. I don't, yeah. you know, I don't always pay but attention now it's to the a, numbers. It's now a cult animated film now at this point. Yeah, so absolutely. It, it gained it found a lot its of audience finally. Yeah. So that summer of 1999, where I was your employee and I worked for you guys, we had two really good kids movies. And now I want Dave Mayer to talk about Wednesday mornings at Clearwater oh. Crossing 12 during the summers. What, what was, that what was, was the Wednesday morning like? That was the shift no manager wanted. You could give me any other shift, but you got that and it was just bad. I do want to say one thing before we get going on this. Yeah. I've talked to people about my background and I had a second career before I was a teacher and I love teaching. I did love working at general cinema. I really did. I felt that there were good people at AMC that took over, but it, 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 it changed so much. And if you think back on the things that general cinema did, like the summer movie camp, they, 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 they were letting people in and, and, and literally there were older movies. So, you know, they weren't, for them and they were telling bring us everyone it, it, it was like uh ellis island back in the 1800s like bring me your weary bring me your tired all that and they made buku bucks on this deal because it was all concessions so you know that's all you know the large sodas cost us what back then like 23 cents or something mm -hmm. and popcorn they were ahead of their time and i i know all of us at one point General Cinema was different. It very, it, it was different. It was a different company to work for. I felt it was more family friendly. They, they, they say it had grand, grand, grandchildren syndrome where uh, when, when the, when the grandfather starts that company, he puts his heart and soul into it. And then his sons that took over after the grandfather, his sons, saw how much he worked and what he gave up and they were not originally rich but at the end they were and then the grandsons you know what happened we you know i don't have to explain the story of they've grown up with the silver spoon and all they think about is expansion and expansion let's make more and it was the downfall but if you think of that the summer movie camp was a they made now they didn't have to clean poop poopy diapers off the floor <laughs> They didn't have to run out of popcorn and go running up and trying to make some or kids spilling stuff everywhere. Those were the worst auditoriums to clean in all my years of ever working in movie theaters. Summer movie camp was the worst because those kids, you might as well just walk around and dump soda on the floor and popcorn. They were bad. They were bad. Um, but general, I used to always, I used to always feel like, Okay, we're about to unlock these doors, and those janitors just cleaned those auditoriums, and they were and, nice. And clean. Oh, yeah, and then that just that all changed five minutes later. But yeah, it, it was it was rough, and you're dealing with groups and everything. But out of this comes one of my favorite. <laughs> Jason's already laughing. One of my favorite stories about summer movie camp. I can't wait uh, to hear with, this. 
I was dealing with uh, the, you know, they, they come in on a bus or a van or something like that. And the camp counselor was there and all that. And the lady was having some issues. So I'm trying to help her. And she's probably got 20, 30 kids around and we're all over by the uh, manager station. Right. And I'm like, Oh, hold on. I'll help you with these tickets, blah, blah, blah. So we get into there. I come back and I'm like, I think you're all set. And I have to rip one so bad, so bad. I crop dust while I'm talking to the lady and I'm trying to cover it. It was bad. It was vile. And I never forget. Somebody goes, what's that? What's that smell? And somebody else goes, but yeah, what is that smell? And I'm trying to play it off the best I can. And one of them goes, Johnny did it. And they point to the little boy, this, these 10 year old kids. And they all point to like, Johnny farted. It stinks. Oh my God. It's disgusting. And they're just, ripping. I could have stopped that in two seconds. And Dave Mayer did not. I just was like, <laughs> have a good movie. And I said, that poor kid, he's going to bump into one of those summer movie camp kids 25 years later. And he, they're going to go, you're the one that farted at that summer movie camp. <laughs> that's great. Dude, that's awesome. Uh, I will say, as a 19-year-old with open availability, I remember working, I think, every summer movie every camp Wednesday uh, that summer. And while while I don't remember enjoying the work, like, working for General Cinema, working for you guys, like, I just absolutely loved my job at that point in my life. Like, I, I enjoyed going to work. And yes, it was miserable cleaning up after those kids, but, like... Like you said, like general cinema was just different. Like I, I ended up working for four different movie theaters after that. Uh, I never worked for AMC, so I don't know exactly how the difference was between general cinema and AMC. But you know, working for Man Theaters and Carasotas and Republic and Landmark and stuff like that, like none of them even came close to how much I enjoyed my job when it was with General Cinema and when you guys were my bosses. So there was definitely something different about working at that theater. And I did, I didn't mind the work. I may have complained about it, but I just. I remember summer movie camp being insane. Did we interlock it between six and seven most weeks? We had full-time uh, projectionists, so they could just keep adding and adding and adding. And if one sold out, we, oh, it was just sell another ticket and keep going. Bruce will wrap it up. and uh, Bruce Mayberry. Yeah. <laughs> and then if I remember correctly, uh, for the kids, we, we would set up tables when we first got there in the morning, and they just came in and they picked up their pre-made popcorn and pre-made drink, right? Okay. Yeah, but they could buy more. They, they could buy more. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Face painters and some people would come out and do face painting and some people. It was crazy. And then trying to get them all out of there because now you got sets coming in and you only had a finite yeah. amount of time. It was yeah. crazy. Like, then they start Damn giving ushers you. aren't here. Where, who's late? Then <laughs> <laughs> you had to when they were giving away stuff too, and so you would have to try and give it away on the way out so that they wouldn't be playing with it or messing with it while the movie was on. So, like, yeah, I uh, do not miss that. I do not. I do not miss that. I was was working for General Cinema. I worked for General Cinema, other than obviously worked for AMC. After you left Clearwater, uh, I they moved me to Clearwater to be the fourth manager over there after you left so i get to go into clearwater and then all of a sudden only one manager worked every shift at that point in time all of a sudden valerie could no longer work wednesday mornings she had to work at her church and all of a sudden jason was the only manager who was working on wednesday mornings mind you that this amc hadn't done it for like two or three years 
and then decided to bring it back. But because it was called Summer Movie Camp, they made me wear khaki shorts and like a blue denim short-sleeved button-down. Oh, I remember that. And I had to wear white tennis shoes so that I looked like a camp counselor. Counselor, yeah. (laughs) Yes, because white tennis shoes at a movie theater where we're dropping tons of popcorn and drinks all over the floor is the best idea But yeah, literally, like, not only that, but I I remember (laughs) around that time, you know, the movie theater was probably what 16 when did you quit dave that would they would, they would have been um oh three oh, or four. Oh, no i graduated so yeah we were like 10 years old so the, the hvac system wasn't as great as it used to be so oh. when you whenever you would walk in on a when on a sun summer morning it was just swampy oh. like it took forever for them to because they oh we'll turn off the air conditioning to save money and we'll mm-hmm. turn it back on but we like, but then they controlled it out of the out of the building. They didn't control it in the building, so my air conditioning wouldn't come on until like ten o'clock when the movie was supposed to be starting. So here you are trying to set up, and everything just feels gross, and you're just nasty, mm-hmm. uh, or you get swassy. Let's put it that way. I'll uh, never forget. Were you guys there when the um, when they used to? They did some remodeling at Clearwater and they put them damn butter machines out in the middle. Oh, yes. Oh, oh. <laughs> it just, oh, that was, that was a constant. And then even like when you open up the trash can thing, that thing became gross inside. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Olden topping or something or whatever. I, I just remember just those were the, it was the worst idea ever. So thinking back, I don't ever remember Popcorn Bob at summer movie camp the year that I was there. I know oh. you guys had it at Greenwood, but why wouldn't Popcorn Bob have been around at Clearwater at that point? We, he was. It we was? did have Pop Bob, but okay. it was after the renovation. Do you remember who was in the Bob costume all weekend? My Bobby? No. One Mr. Joseph Langless wore the Bob. <laughs> oh! <laughs> The whole weekend, because we have renovated. Remember, we had uh, we redid the concession stand and we added um, the pretzel, self serve lane on the one side, and the pretzels and all that stuff. So we had this big grand reopening, and Joe was stuck in that thing all weekend. I'll never forget it. It was like ninety seven, ninety eight, because we were competing with uh, UA reopen or UA opening up on ninety six Street. We were the biggest theater in the country for how many years? Clearwater forever. I mean, yeah, and then and then downtown opened, and I took a little bit, mm-hmm. and 96th Street really kind of took a bigger bite. Yeah, I think yeah. you told me one time that when 96th Street opened, it took half of our attendance, and then, yeah. and yeah. then, and then when Glendale opened, when Glendale opened with Carasotas, it took another half off, and so we were like, we were doing a quarter of the business by ten years in, so. When I when we were managing together, that it was insane. You had people lined up around the building. They were lining up for oh, it was crazy. <laughs> that place was like like Disneyland, man. That place yeah. was just and the in, box insane in the lobby. You remember that? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I remember that on both sides. The yep. sad thing about the sad thing about that back then was that like here 
Clearwater was a pretty much a, a dominant theater. It was a, a gold mine, right? And here you start to have competition pop up in the city, and then they can't even put that love back into the theater to be competitive. Yeah. That's what that's the thing that I don't understand is that they had they had everybody, and then all of a sudden um, the, the theaters start changing and they get what they call this what this stadium, stadium, stadium art of stadium, stadium seating and stuff like that, right? And here you got like a top, you know. 15 movie theater in the country and you can't even address that and you know to try to compete it just blew my mind that they let that flush down the toilet yep. like that. so clearwater was 94 right it opened in summer of 94 93 93 oh, yeah, uh, jurassic fugitive. park yeah yeah jurassic the fugitive park. was the first thing i saw there uh, harrison ford uh what was the uh fugitive. The fugitive. was out around the time when they opened yeah. that was one of their first the so firm six, and Jurassic six Park. years later would have been when Mayfair opened. Was Mayfair a stadium seating facility? Yeah. 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 So within like those six years, General Cinema shifted from their sloped to their stadium seating. Because I mean, I think that was what caused 96th Street to take a bunch of that business was the fact that they were stadium seating. They were the first well, stadium the theater I know of, right? Yeah. yeah. Also, I mean, well, UA or Circle Center was the first one. Or was it? Oh, because. Yeah. Because and and I shout out to Tim Pendleton for this. He he said that one of the things that uh, I guess Simon Malls approached General Cinema and said, "We want you in the Circle Center Mall." Mm-hmm. And General Cinema looked at the cost of it and the the rent and everything else, and then figured it wasn't worth it. But we mm-hmm. owned the city at that point in time, and. Apparently, according to Tim, he said at, at a meeting, if you don't take Circle Center, somebody else is going to come into town and they're not going to be satisfied with just one theater in the middle of town. That's They're right. going to start building other things to start taking trying to compete. And so and we did have Lowe's, but I always felt like Lowe's was I, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. Lowe's always felt dirty, no matter which theater you walked into, always felt gross. And I don't know if it was because of what they were popping the popcorn in or what, but, um, but yeah, so here you, they built circle center and then they went, well, we're not happy with this. Let's go build. And they built right next to Geist, which was a brilliant move because 96 and I 69 is a, is the proper place to get the Geist crowd. Yeah, and then all of a sudden traffic, way better traffic. At oh yeah. I'm compared to Clearwater traffic sucked all the time. It still sucks. The 82nd yeah. Street sucks, period. Like, yep. just because of how much stuff is there. So, yeah, you just, you know, so all these people are going, oh, wait, I don't have to travel as far. It's a brand new theater. It's right next, you know. So, yeah, like, they could have, you're right, Jaybird, they could have sunk in, built in, put in stadium seating, uh, upgraded a few things, maybe put a THX theater in, and they they would have had a more competitive theater for a lot longer of a time. And who knows? Maybe that scares Carasotos from even building Glendale at that point in time. Right. We uh, so before I was there, the summer of '99 when Episode One came out, I remember there being discussion that we were going to be upgraded to an EX theater, and that there yeah. was going to be a bunch of construction involved in that. That never happened. Uh, but was there talk at one point? Do I remember correctly that they were going to THX one of the theaters there? They were going to have. I thought. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jason. It was going to be Theater Six and Seven. We're seven. both. PHX. Nice. Mm-hmm. Any any word why that didn't end up happening? 
No. Uh, from what I understood, it was too much of a cost constraint because of the fact that the like the HVAC system has to only make so much noise. Really? And uh, yeah, because like they have to put so much like padding in to like quiet things down so that they have more control of the environment and stuff uh. like that. So it ended up being, I, I I guess at one point in time, they were talking about putting theaters on the outside and turning it from a 12 into a 14 at one point and I using the hallway, the hallways that would have gone like that long hallway for three and 10 mm-hmm. was going to be a, a hallway that would lead to an additional theater that they could have just plopped on the ends there. Um, right. Obviously never happened, but. I do remember those rumors also. Uh, so, any great stories from summer movie camp? Besides the farting story, farting yeah. my heart to this day. I would love to meet that kid and just like, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Jason Richardson. Oh, you guys, teacher, I still crop dust. I do still crop dust as a teacher. I'll tell you that. <laughs> How often does that get blamed on the kids? All, All the, the time. time. <laughs> nice. Uh, Jaybird Richardson, you got any stories from either cleaning shit up or just how miserable you had experience? Um, I would just say that, like, um, uh, you know, I, I there's it, it's been so long ago. I just remember, you know, it was just a pain in the ass to clean those theaters up after that showing. Absolutely, um, and. I, Summer movie camp is kind of a blur for me as far as like sure. particular moments. I just remember just buses, buses of kids, and and it just gets loud and and you know at that point, you know that was in my younger days, so we would have been out late that previous night, you know, and. <laughs> oh yeah there's probably some alcohol alcohol involved in the fact that you got to get up and and i remember like it, uh, what the doors would have opened at 9 30 maybe yep. or at 10 yeah. o'clock which mm-hmm. means you would need to be there by like 8 38 45 or something like mm-hmm. that or you know and oh, oh that was rough it- that was just rough when you had that shift it was rough yeah, and then you'd make all those popcorns the night before. Oh, mm-hmm. oh. And sometimes, like, we would forget and no one would do it. So then we'd have to make them up, like, when we're already, like, a half hour late, get to the damn theater to open up to get ready for it. And then they're like, oh, my gosh. But I just remember just, you know, those, it's like, what little, what drink do you want, you little brat? You know, like, it's <laughs> like, oh, it's just, oh, oh it's frustrating. Anyway, also had those you had like some camp counselors or like uh, um, daycare run, you know, daycare people like oh, yeah. some of them would have everybody in line and it would be like military. Everybody yep. goes eat down this way. Grab your popcorn, grab your drink, go into that theater. And it was just like, boom, boom, boom. Then you had the other ones that were like, hey, everybody. And it was just like the kids are like, ah, just running around and they're screaming the entire time. And you're like. Oh my god! Why can't you just get- <laughs> like <laughs> all the like that? You know, follow Miss Lisa, follow <laughs> Mister David. <laughs> it's like go, go now. But you know, many, I always did. I always did have an appreciation for the fact that you know, a lot of some of those kids, I would imagine, um, live a lifestyle to where they they their parents can't afford to take them to the movies. 
And so that at the end of the day was like the like, okay, this is why we do this. And because for them in that moment, that was like the field trip of a lifetime for a lot of those kids. And so that kind of after, you know, your normal negative thoughts of summer movie camp and whatnot, at the end of the day, that balanced me with like, okay, someone enjoy some little kid enjoyed that two hours of uh escapism you know what i mean absolutely it was always awesome because like for the longest time even after we got rid of projectionists for the most part we'd always bring them in on um like when i even when we were amc we were the union projectionists would come in and only do build up and tear down on thursdays for a long time but like literally uh valor shout out to valerie i don't know if she did this or if it was a company-wide thing she was like bruce is working on wednesday mornings and so like bruce like so like you knew the film if it broke and be back on screen in like three minutes so give him a couple it'll, everything will be fine he also like and like like you guys said as soon as you filled up an auditorium you'd be like okay now we're going over here bruce we're gonna be in theater six seven eight mm-hmm. Let me know when you're uh, and I'll let you know if we go to nine and he'd be like, OK, and and we would just and we just kept doing it. And uh, but like. Yeah, you know, you. Uh, there's a reason why you go to a mechanic, right? Like a good mechanic, right? You, you find one, you are always going to go there. And it's because of the simple fact that, you know, shit is going to get fixed properly. So there, like having union projectionist was on a totally different tier. And Shane, while me and you are, I, I I pride myself on what I could have done in a 35 millimeter room. I know I wasn't as good as a union guy, but sure. I could do a whole lot. But those guys were on a different level altogether. And they were. I kid you, I was just not even a couple of weeks ago. I was doing something and I always have weird shit pop up in my head. And, and I, it, I literally thought that debate of, the union projectionist versus not having them. And I just remember just saying to myself over and over, like that was like a big change at that time. And it was just like, what the, what do you mean you want us to run that shit? What? Like, I'm like, (laughs) uh -uh. like, I'm not, I don't want to be responsible for, for that. And I think that that was just, that was a big mistake. You, You can say that, but I mean, from a money standpoint, man, it was just so, expensive like mm-hmm. don't get me wrong once you once you add in the fact that how many shows did you lose how many prints did you scratch how many uh how many prints got dropped um whatever the case may be like there's so many different things that they could have prevented but probably in the long run it's probably cheaper to do it the way that they did it for sure because but and don't get me wrong presentation has definitely suffered because of it um Oh, and yeah, and that's one of the the crappy things about the digital cinema age, especially nowadays, is like presentation doesn't seem to, especially at like the bigger theaters, presentation doesn't mean things to people the way that it did when we were running things. Because <clears throat> I know like Shane and I would go see a movie at a theater in town, and 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 we'll be like, really, like that that's off this is off why didn't you why like what sometimes they just don't even move the z screen out of the way that used to should like that you need for 3d they just they just don't move it out of the way so that it's not projecting through there and cutting half the light so it's just 
it's it's frustrating as a as a moviegoer. It's even more frustrating being a former projectionist. I so. used to remember Jason would always get mad if whatever theater he went to, or there was a theater I went to a lot of times, and we'd be like, they don't even they don't even crop the screen properly for you know a flat film, you know, or they you know or you know what I mean, and 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 then eventually Glendale went to that too. Glendale didn't change. You know why? Because everything broke. I feel so bad for them. All the, all the, uh, a lot of the uh, masking motors were breaking, and it's because the, um, it's because the cleaners were blowing all of the stuff using blowers, and then all that would end up getting inside the motor and causing a problem. So sometimes it would be, sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't, and now, yeah, and and apparently. Unfortunately, that company lost somebody a year ago that was very instrumental in keeping presentation really, really well done. Um, and I mean, lost somebody as he passed away. So that's not helpful at all for their company, I'm sure. But uh, a lot of companies are doing that now. I know the Flicks. I know Living Room Theaters. Neither one of them do any masking whatsoever. And it's, and it's not because they don't have the ability. They literally never built the ability into their building to do that. And and it does take something away from the, the presentation. Holy. I'm and, used to, I'm used to it at this point, for the most part, it seems like wherever you go. I mean, because if you think about like, when you go to the IMAX theater, it's the same thing. You're right. Yeah. But, but, but I'm seeing it more now these days where, it's not changing. It's not changing the ratio of the screen and, and whatnot. It's just the screen is there and yeah. however it's filmed, it just shows up however it shows up. You know what I mean? It like, doesn't look nearly as nice as it did not at 15 all. years ago. No. And, and, and that's just how everything is, right? Like, this is how our parents must feel and our grandparents. <laughs> like, literally, like, shit was better 20 years ago. Like, and, well, and that's... That's why I kind of feel, you know, I don't know, like, I'm, so I'm 50. I was born in 73. And I feel like, you know, because obviously, how, how how much younger, what year were you born, Jason? I'm, we're, we're 80s babies. Yeah, I'm 80. What, what, in 1980? Yeah. Okay, so within seven years then. But you were on that last leg. I mean, you're on that leg of, of where you got to experience something before it transitioned and changed over. You know what I mean? Like, like for me, when I was a kid, I got used to, I was uh, introduced to like um, eight track and reel to reel and then cassette tape and then CD and et cetera and streaming now and such. And, you know, with the movie theaters, you know, we had the prints, we had print print screens and I mean print print movies and before digital and so we got to experience experience that I think uh, are, are you considered generation x yes I, I don't yes. pay attention to that we we are the okay. very end we're technically 1980 is on the cusp of we can be either gen x or a millennial and fuck millennials I take gen x is who I associate I identify as gen x <laughs> okay. Well, I did. I and I would assume Dave is the same. Um, I think we were very fortunate at the time that we came into this world of experiencing certain things and, and whatnot. You know, think of um, you know we we knew what it was like to to go to a movie 
and it'd sell out and then you just buy a ticket for the next movie, right? It wasn't on 50 million thousand screens. Um, and so I've experienced that versus what you do today, even with like reserved seating today, you know I mean? So we've had a, a, a fortunate opportunity to be able to have, uh, when you're sharing or talking with people, kind of say, hey, at what point this is what was going on, then the transition into this. And there's a lot of change in the movie theater industry, but we we lucked out and got in there before the big shift happened. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I consider myself very fortunate because my brother and my dad were both projectionists uh, for the uh, armed forces network of people or the AFES. Um, um, so they were both projectionists for them. And so I always loved seeing the work that they did in the projection booth and being able to be up there and see things about it. And so like when I fresh out of high school, fresh out of high school, I was working at Glendale one, two, three for general cinema. It's a discount movie house uh, run by Greg and Joe, uh, Greg Cochran and Joe Laxon were my managers at that building. And I have, and like the, that was when we trained 1998 the summer of 1998 was when we started getting rid of union projectionists and they, uh, they were like, Jason, do you want to learn? I was like, fuck yes. Give me that right now. I want to be able to mess with that stuff that like been a dream of mine since freaking 1989, 1990, maybe at the latest that, so here I was like, eight years of dreaming of being able to mess around with that stuff. And then all of a sudden I could actually, it was tangible for me. And, and it, it was, it was a totally different experience and I'm very thankful that I had it, but man, <laughs> presentation has suffered so hor horribly from that, uh, from that point in time. And, and, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I love going to the art craft and I still support going there. And um, Steve Blair, the union projectionist head in this uh, state or maybe the city. May, I don't even know if he's in the union head anymore, but he runs the 35 millimeter projector at the art craft for them. And I love watching his presentation. I literally went with Shane to go see Terminator at a brew and view where they gave you they give you a beer or you can have a small popcorn, and a small drink. I chose the beer. Obviously, I'll buy the popcorn and drink. But uh, so we uh, we we sat down and I'm not kidding you. I was so stoked. I was like, I'm going to hear the click clack. I'm going to see a little bit of like I'm going to see a little bit of shutter going on. And Steve's presentation is so freaking flawless that I got nothing like that. It was literally like pretty much watching uh, a, a DVD, but it was so pretty. And and uh, so he's I, there currently right now. Yeah. I gotta well, stop and see him. It's been forever since I've seen Steve. And here's what I'll say about that. Obviously, that Terminator print was way better than the Dazed and Confused print that Troy and I went to last weekend because oh, that wow. print definitely it for the first reel at least it felt like the uh, film gate wasn't closed because it wasn't perfectly in focus and you could when the lettering was on the screen you could see it vibrating. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah, you so miss the kind that. of stuff I want to see. It, it, it got better throughout the course of the movie, but it definitely, I enjoyed the fact that it felt like film. Like I could tell that I was watching film. I didn't hear the clickety clack, but we were up like in the third row or whatever. But like the presentation, like I said, you could see the letters vibrating while they were on screen. You could see 
you know, that it was not a good, like, this was a 1993 print that has survived until now. And uh, yeah, that was really fun. To, there, there weren't any huge scratches or anything through it. You, I, you did get to see the cigarette burns, which was cool. But like, yeah, it was, it was a fun experience watching that print. And I agree. When I was watching it, I was like, man, I don't remember the Terminator looking like this. So, but I wasn't thinking about it that way back when you and I went. Um, but yeah, so the Days and Confused print was a, in a lot worse condition. Uh, Dave, I think I cut you off. What were you about to say? No, it was totally unreal. We had Steve, Bruce, and who was the third one we had at Clearwater? Um, only two that I remember. No, we had uh, the short, yeah. short, uh, short, heavy set guy. Um, uh, Dan Hurt. That was it. Thank you. Sorry. No, Dan, Dan Hurt, Bruce Mayberry, and not Steve Blair, but because Steve Blair was down in Greenwood. No, Steve yeah. would come fill in for one of the guys if they were on vacation. And then there was a short, short, uh, heavy set guy. I'm trying to think. I thought we had a guy. Was Dan the guy with the? I want to. I swear, one of them had a ponytail. Mm. I don't want to throw the whole thing. Look, we're way off the sidetrack now. Oh, you're all good, man. This this is going into a let's talk about general cinema in the '90s, and I love it. Jason, you said you started off learning Booth. In 1998 at Glendale 123, but by December of 98, when you and I started hanging out again, you were at Hasselton Arts. When did that shift happen? Uh, like a month later. Oh, okay. So, uh, I was at uh, they I I got bumped over to Glendale, like right after graduating high school. So it was June okay. 98. Uh, by August of 98, I was running. I was in Castleton. Gotcha. Uh, by September of 98, I was the lead projectionist at Castleton. Awesome. Because, yeah, in which December was not, of 98... Which was not a good idea. Yes, so. it was. Because in December of 98, when you and I started hanging out again, and I started coming to the movie theater, you started showing me how to do projection stuff. So in 99, when I was working at Clearwater, and Dave asked me if I wanted to learn projection stuff, I hung out with him and Nick White one night, and you had never taught me how to tear down a print. Dave, do you remember the night you taught me how to tear down a print? Uh, <laughs> I don't remember what the movie was, but you got I remember everything. You set telling up. me this story, and I can tell you, I've done the same. <laughs> we got everything set up. You were starting to tell me how to how to tear down a print. You took the center ring out, popped it out, put it on the other flatter system, and then you cranked on that tear down table, and the whole print flew off. Oh, you're right. Oh gosh, I forgot about that. Uh, and then you and I stayed for about four hours that night trying Cleaning to them. manually wrap uh, manually wrap them onto uh, the small the, the 2K reels. Uh, and we did not finish it that day. I don't remember who opened the next day, but somebody the next morning had to finish because we did it because it was let's all be, six reels that flew off the table. Let's be honest. If it was anybody other than Bruce, we would have heard about it. But Bruce would have just done it and not even said anything. Yeah, so I, uh, that was just my favorite story from the, the you Jason had not taught me how to tear anything down, and you're like, "Do you want to learn?" And I was like, "Absolutely!" And then you were like, "Okay, so you have learned the one thing you should never do when tearing down a print." I did the same thing that same year with the print of Slam S L A M. It was an art house film while working at Castleton Arts. I uh, took the ring out so I could do the trailer changes because we needed some of the trailers yeah. off of that to put in something else. 
and I never dropped the ring back in, never thought about it. I got to, I got down to like, I think I did like half the movie. Really? And then it flipped like, cause I was doing other things. So like I would turn, I would do like half speed and I was getting about, I got half the print done. And I, and then at one point it just. It must've so. been the weight of the print going at half speed that just kept it in place until you got yeah. like halfway through it. And then all of a sudden the weight probably wasn't enough to keep it on the platter anymore. It's either that or I finished whatever task I was doing and I came back and I was like, turn this up. And then yeah. while, because I, I, I remember it, I was watching it. And I was like, that's weird. It looks like it's changing, <laughs> changing shape, man. It was, it was, it was amazing. Dave's fiasco was a lot more fun. It was, I'm going all the way up to 10, all six reels, all against the wall. I can see Jason now because it it, it it probably happened in slow motion as you're watching. Oh, that's weird. And <laughs> absolutely, uh, man, we just went down a long rabbit hole. Uh, well, so I got a couple of things to say. I was there after the remodel, so I was only in the outdoor box office, and I remember those Friday and Saturday nights looking and seeing it go all the way basically to block party because the line just never ended. Um, so that, that was, I've never experienced that again at any other movie theater. Every other theater has always been inside and it's always been packed and like, you've got cues inside and stuff like that. But working there, I, I don't remember if it was star Wars, but I remember at one point there was a movie, it had to have been star Wars because we started the line on the other side. So it went East. And then I remember it wrapping all the way around the entire building and I could see the end of the line on the West side of the building from the box office and I was just like, that is a long, that's the longest I've ever seen that line. Um, I just yeah. remember at one point, Dave, I think, came up with codes or something. There was codes for starting the trailers early. <laughs> when I first started, when I first started at Glendale and we still had 35 millimeter there, my projectionists that we had there, when I would close, it was called the Shane special. And you started everything 10 minutes early so that the movie hit when the start time was and not the trailers hitting then oh, just because God. i mean back then you couldn't like with with digital the one thing i enjoy is if an auditorium is empty and you can cut 12 minutes of trailer, or you just turn it off whereas a 35 millimeter print you have to let it play until the film is done i mean luckily you could turn like the bulb off if it was empty or whatever and kind of you know get that cool down going early unless you were lucky enough that you were opening the next day and if nobody was in there, you just turn it off and let it sit yep. overnight. And then you come in in the morning, the first thing just you run do the motor. Turn. So Absolutely that, good call. Yep. That worked. Mm -hmm. I always, um, uh, I, uh, I'll never forget, I got scheduled to be the closer on uh, New Year's Eve. Uh, and it was the, it might have been Y2K, I can't remember. Um, and and it was one of those moments where like and I I was like really this movie's like the movie the last movie at Eastgate dropped at like twelve oh five I was like so I I literally started the movie fifteen minutes early uh, because so that the yeah so I was like that gives me ten minutes to get out the building and down and then as soon as the auditorium was empty you'd open the door to cool the bulb down faster. Mm -hmm. And then, and yeah, I just, and I, I still made it to that. I made it to that uh, New Year's Eve party that year with like three seconds to spare. So yeah, I remember that, but I don't remember that being the Y2K party. I think you were there. Was that, the not, time. 
I think that was a year or two later, because I think you were there the whole night of the Y2K party. But I do remember you walking in literally like a minute or two before the ball dropped. But I don't remember that being the Y2K party that that happened at. Pretty sure it was the Y2K party. I was doing a lot of drugs and drinking back then, so my memory is not the greatest. Pretty sure. I believe you. So, yeah. What were you about to say, Dave? No, I was gonna. I know it wasn't at Clearwater because it was me, Drew Milligan, and Liz Dewhurst closed that night, and we we went upstairs and watched all the fireworks around the city. Off the, we stood up on top. Uh, you know how you claw, climb that uh ladder. The ladder, ladder on the top. You see fireworks from every angle up there. So I know it was the three of us that night. The Y two K party at Mark's house was epic, Jason. If you want to tell the story about what Mark did. Oh yeah, I was actually just telling the story to the to to my son Chris the just a couple of days ago. So we were at Mark's house, and it was Y two K, and and I was trying to explain to Chris how everybody was really worried about what was going to happen, uh, and I kind of gave him the abridged version of you know computers were only made with two digit years and programs might have crashed and all this other stuff. So we were talking about that, and I was like, so what was funny though was. That because everybody was so worried about it, we're at Mark's house, which is um, he at the time lived in like an in-law suite or a pool house at his parents' house. So it was separate from the regular house. And uh, his his stepdad, when when the ball went down to zero, he turned off the power to the <laughs> house to, to freak us out a little bit. So um, it was so insane. It was pretty fun. So it was awesome. It was one of the greatest practical jokes I've ever experienced. Yeah, it was pretty good. I had to give some credit to Mark and his stepdad. That was pretty awesome. Um, All right. So that was a lot of great. Obligatory. My son is visiting. I love you too, buddy. We were trying to call your son for his birthday there, Dave, but no, he's had a busy day. My Jason uh, Jaber, my uh, other son, is fourteen today, oh and it's God. and Drew's old. But now that to, to think that my son's fourteen and you know getting ready for high school in a year, and it's crazy. Time goes. It's time uh, to have I, another one now. Uh, if I can kick cancer hundred uh, percent, I'll welcome a grandchild. But that's <laughs> um. But he had a baseball game today, didn't he? He had a doubleheader today. Doubleheader? How do you do? Yeah, he plays on three tra- three teams. So, wow. And how do you do today? Uh, he played right field for the whole first game, and he went three for three. Nice. Played second game, he caught nine the the whole game, and he went two for two in a walk. He had a great game. That's awesome. Two great- and he's apparently super versatile and can play anywhere. Does he pitch he also? Any position. Yeah, wow. he catch. Does it all. He That's loves awesome. pitching. Yeah. He loves to pitch. He loves catch. He, he'll play any place you ask him to. He's to going play. pro, isn't he? He's going to be a professional baseball player. I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to jinx anything. So, but we we'll hope he can play at the collegiate level. Let's put it that way. Let's I think I think he'll play in the collegiate. I mean, level. they they draft kids out of high school now, don't they? Yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, mean they, dra- they draft them just so you have the rights to them, and then they let them go play college. Ba- like I don't know baseball very well, but isn't that how it works? Something like that. It's it's gotcha. it's crazy. They, they don't draft as much. They they have less teams now, so there's less drafting. And oh, okay, got gotcha. you. 
All right. So uh, amazing tangent. I absolutely love talking all about Clearwater and stuff like that. Do we have any other kids movies that we want to talk about? I would say movie wise mm -hmm. and is in my favorite that we were shooting around on text mm -hmm. and I'm at, uh, from my son's team that's playing right now. My very good. I have two very good friends out here. Uh, Peter Sai, he owns a uh, a little two screen. It actually was a one screen. It's been there a hundred years in the city of Lexington. Mm -hmm. Shot her around the world, you know, that kind of back in the uh, Revolutionary War period. But he owns wow. theater there. And it's the kind that had the balcony. And then what they did is they cut and the balcony is now a separate theater. So where the oh, seats wow. were, now they put a, a, a floor up there and it's made it so there's a smaller theater and then you've got the big theater there. Um, and I called up my buddies and I said, Hey, you know, I would love to rent out the theater. They, it's an art house. So they'll rent movies and I'm taking all the kids from our baseball team to go see the Sandlot over there. And oh, they're oh, yes. cool. That's Just, awesome. Sandlot, I will say it's not a cartoon, so it doesn't no, exactly no. like this, but so it the is. Movie camp is all kids movies, man. We can talk about any kids movies now. Yeah. To me, that's. When, when we're talking about the perfect movie like the iron giant i just think that's the it's a perfect movie a kid that doesn't fit in gets mm -hmm. to because the cool kid gives him a chance and you know just the the hijinks are funny and the kids at school i show it every year on field day and the kids they nice. all love cool thing this year was we had a couple of times this year where we had a, a few extra opportunity for a movie here or a movie there you know all schools do it and my uh, my co-teacher is a 26-year-old, so he's only been teaching, maybe he's 27 this year, something like that. So he doesn't know these movies. So he goes, Dave, what do you want to show a movie? I said, I said, let's go old school. So one time we show Good Burger. The kids friggin' <laughs> love it. My co-teacher hadn't even seen it. You oh, know, I've never seen that movie. So, yeah. Oh, the kids went nuts. The other one, Big Fat Liar. They all love that movie. And it's cool mm -hmm. sharing these movies with these kids and their parents. I would guess their parents are a little younger than me. I would guess closer to Jason and Shane's age. Because um, these are now 10 and 11-year-old kids. So sure. not all of them. But, but like to say, they went home and they're like, oh my gosh, dad, we watched this movie called Good Burger. And he's like, I love Good Burger. And like... <laughs> watch it it was welcome cool. to good burger home of the good, good burger, burger. Man, take yep. order. they're, they're doing a sequel to it they just announced yeah, the sequel kill. not too long ago yeah so i mean you know there's good kids movies and there's good uh cartoon movies if 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 you find them that not all of them are great pokemon's atrocious <laughs> but our kids love it so that's okay so mm. most of the live action kids movies would you say they're probably a lot of sports related ones like when I think yeah. my favorite kids movies, a lot of them are sports related. I think the trick is to find something, you know, because if you put in a what was the movie they made about soccer and it had the ham from uh, uh I can picture yeah, big green, big green. Rodney Dangerfield. No, you you got it, Jamie. Green or something like that. I think they find a uh, a sport a kid plays or a dance or a kid something like that. Um, just to get a kid that might be interested in that, you know, the, look at cool runnings. They went with the Olympics. They, you, yeah. you find something, get them in there and then you just do silly stuff, you know? It's like, you got like little big league. Um, yep. what's big, the other one? Big green. That's what it was called. Uh, big Here, baby. Oh, the big green. Gotcha. Yep. Rookie of the year. Rookie of the year. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, 
like you said, cool Angels running. in the outfield. Angels in the outfield. Mighty um, Ducks. The Mighty yeah. Ducks. Like, it's just a lot of the movies I at least personally grew up with. Like, but then you've got something like Goonies, which I think is a great kids movie that doesn't have to do with sports. But like the majority of the ones from growing up that I love were all sports related. And I don't know if that's just me because I'm a sports person or if that's just that's where the majority of the good kids movies that like not animated kids movies and stuff like if they're just sports related and that makes makes them that good. Yeah. All right. So, Dave, it's been a long time since you've been on the podcast. We've done yep. something over the last few years. It's called the Horowitz Questionnaire. Uh, I'm right. A couple of years ago, our buddy Troy posted it on online, and we've kind of cut it down from the original 19 questions. We've narrowed it down to 10. Uh, and Mr. Mayor, if you would ask your brother the first question. What is the first film you ever remember seeing? So I, I had to think about this because it was down to two. And then I just chrono, you know, looked them up to see what year release that I can remember. And it's Star Wars, the original Star Wars, episode three. Um, I will say that my brother and I, my parents never took us to the movies uh, at that point in time. We didn't have money, but Star Wars was the thing. And I remember me and Mike were kind of, they were, we watched it in Yar Yarmouth. I believe it's Yarmouth down on Cape Cod. And I remember standing in the theater at the back. Uh, we had seats with our parents, but we'd get up and like, you know, some of the slower parts when you're that age. Uh, but that was the very first one. And I loved it when they re-released the original three at uh, General Cinema. Nice. And the kids, oh my gosh, I, 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 was it AMC at that point? I couldn't remember. No, it would have been, no, it was in 1997 at, at, okay, so at General Cinema. Okay, so they yeah. released and I'm out there and I'm helping clean and there were a bunch of kids from Clearwater and they're like, I can't believe we get to watch this on the screen. I was like, dude, I saw this originally on the screen. They could. They were like, you're just old, Dave. That's all. <laughs> All right, question number two. What is your all-time favorite film? My all-time favorite film is a film that I saw at Clearwater. It was one of our, it came in early, so we watched it as a group. Happened the same year as all those cartoons you just brought up. Uh, it's The Matrix. I love it. I just found, it was so, we didn't know anything going in that night. Um, nope. Like, you left and you were just like, Holy crap! What did I just see? It was just mind-boggling. The, the 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 story, the special effects, the 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 kung fu. Like it was just, oh, it was it was uh, it was it, it, it. Anytime it's on, I'm watching it. Uh, there's a lot. I have quite a few movies. I think on text a couple of weeks ago, we were all talking about what are ten movies that like you watch no matter what, mm -hmm. but. Atrix is it. I really do think. I uh, I closed with you that night, April yep. 1999, and I had, I, never seen a I had never seen a trailer for it. I knew nothing about the movie, and you were like, hey, uh, we're watching The Matrix tonight. Are you going to stay? And I was like, sure. Like, who's in it? Like, what, what's it about? And you're like, I don't know. It's the new Keanu Reeves movie. And I was like, I love Bill and Ted. Yes, I'm in. I'll stay and watch this. I remember Nick White being there. I know Jason showed up. I think there was like six or eight of us in there. And I, I mean, I agree with how you described it. Like, I had no idea what I was getting into, and it it blew me away. It was absolutely yeah, we either, amazing. We were either in theater ten or ten. eleven. We were either we were. in ten or eleven. I couldn't nope. remember. And I believe it was Wednesday night. Oh yeah, I think it was a Wednesday night. Yeah, but yeah, it that was, was 
that was a, a great experience. Question three. What is your favorite line from a film? Ooh, Navy SEALs. <laughs> I've got a bumper sticker that I've never put on my car because I'm afraid of offending Navy SEALs. Like, I don't want somebody throwing a rock at my car because I have it. But I just love sure. that scene where, you know, they always pick, what is it? They always pick the most social. Most intellectual films. <laughs> well, and the guy picks it up. Oh, Navy SEALs. Yeah, it's just, I love that. Great line. Uh, what film made you realize that movies are an art? This I thought about this one for a little while because I know that um, I decided in 2003 that like I liked the movie. It, I love working at the movies. I really did. You you guys that I worked with were fantastic. I mean, we 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 bonded. Uh, it was fun, but I had two young kids. You guys know at that point in time, and I just needed to do something. So I decided I was going to go get my teaching license and teach. And I went back to IUPY, um, and Jason and, and and Shane were both there. And I had taken an art uh, uh, a movie class over there. And I thought that's where I appreciate it, but I appreciate it before then, the more I thought about it. And it's the first time I really realized it was an art was a movie that a lot of people don't like. It was Boogie Nights. I went to see a, uh, uh, what, what we didn't call them sneak, uh, trade screening. a trade screening. I went to see a trade screening over at, uh, Jason, I think you were there. When, with me that day I don't remember it was at Glendale uh it was a morning show and it that was the first movie that at the climax of that film when they were <laughs> in the limo right they were in the limo and Don Chadle was at the donut shop and uh I think uh Marky Mark was in the pickup truck going the, through that thing right and all this was happening and I I, I felt like holy crap it, it was almost like I was so involved in that piece. I felt like it was a friend of mine that was going through this issue, these oh. three at the same time. And I really had a heart, you know, you go to movies and you're like, whoa, that was awesome and all that. But this made me feel like, oh, it was like punching me in the gut. And that's when I started to say, man, if they do it right, a couple other movies like that, um, I don't know if you guys saw in the theaters uh, Margot Robbie, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. That was another movie, and I, it helped me. Okay, you may think that, but her watching herself on the movie screen in that was one of the most enduring, en en endearing things that I ever saw. Like her joy of seeing herself on the big screen. I just felt like that was the kind, I got that same emotional feeling like, wow, that is awesome. Um, uh, uh, th th another movie like that is uh, Matthew McConaughey and, um, sorry, the brain fog from my cancer is, is uh, Matthew McConaughey in space. You know what I'm talking about? Interstellar. Interstellar. Interstellar when, when, he, when, when, when he's communicating with his daughter. And you can see the pain in his eyes, and it, and 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 he's crying, trying to get a hold of his daughter. It's it's just those are when I realized it was art. It wasn't just some guys, as you might say, like look at Samuel Jackson, man. He'll make a movie for anything because he just wants money. Uh, and that may or may not be true because he does some crazy movies. 
Uh, but like, it's not just that woohoo or that was scary. This was like emotional tearjerker kind of thing. So that, that, that I would say my first one was Boogie Nights, but it continues and it hits you at different points with different movies. That's awesome. Like Jason talking about Coco, right? The, mm -hmm. the tear, you know, that I think it's an art. Nice. Question five. What movie do you consider your guilty pleasure? Steel Magnolia. Answer <laughs> truthfully. I was wondering if that was coming. I love it. It's it, it's a great movie. It, it's funny. And, and and at the end, when uh, when uh, Julia Roberts passes away and, and you're showing the aftermath of that, and it's still that, oh, stop. If you haven't seen it and I just broke it for you, pal, it's been way too long. You, you don't get away with that, Joel Conaway, next, who always waits to watch. Thing, you're you're going to tell me Bruce Willis was dead at the end of some movie. Like. Yeah. Um, uh, just it, it, it was fun throughout, had a great cast. And like I said, at the end, after this biggest, saddest moment when she's gone and they're still. Sally Field was awesome in it. And uh, it's a movie that not a lot of people know that that's my favorite movie. Not one of my favorites. So in my top 10. Gotcha. Uh, it's it's not hard to admit. Oh, aliens! Yeah, that's that, that's <laughs> drink your juice, Shelby. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, who is your favorite actor or actress of all time? Okay, I was torn between two. Okay. Uh, uh, it came down to Tom Cruise because he's just he's really and the more I see and hear of people working with Tom Cruise, yeah, he's got the Scientology thing. Um, but the more you hear of people talk about him as how real he is. And and he doesn't ask you to do anything that he wouldn't do. And I just feel he's made great movies. But uh, who beat him out, in my opinion, is Keanu Reeves. I've just read Ooh, so nice. much as a person and how he takes he's from point break to to the Matrix to even some of the, you know, the replacements, to all these different movies that he was in. He's he's gone okay. a lot of different types and the stories that you read about how like he'll give up money. So somebody else gets money, the things like that. It just sounds to me like uh, a really good guy. And in fact, there was someone on Twitter yesterday. It said, women are complaining. Women. It, it, it was an article on Twitter or, or a headline or whatever. And it said, uh, multiple women say and when you read it quickly you feel like oh he's being offensive is the least offensive person is what the the headline says but of course you take it as you see women and you kind of gaze at it really quick you're like what did he do because you've never heard anything bad about him <clears throat> um and it the, the whole story was talking about all the good stuff he does for other people and what he's gone through and still has a positive attitude well, and I've seen an article similar to what you're describing, where when you look at him taking pictures with female co-stars, he refuses to touch them. He yeah, he puts his hand like near them. Yep. yep. I saw that too. He's 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 just good, and and everybody can be like, whoa, and you know the stuff like that. But <laughs> he he John Wick was unbelievable. Yep. Uh, um, The Matrix, whether you liked two and three and four, whatever, you know, whatever, he he did a great job in that Bill and Ted we've talked about. Um, even there's some of the there's sequels to the Matrix. Uh the last one wasn't as bad. Uh there, the, there was more that oh, I only know about one Matrix movie. That's weird. All right, question number seven. 
Who's your favorite director of all time? I don't think this was a hard one, and probably other people. Spielberg is just unbelievable, and it's just he makes great movies, uh, fun movies, um, and he seems like a, a, a you know a, a good guy. You don't hear a lot of crazy things about him or anything. Not that that should take away of what he does as an artist, but I just feel like he's passionate about what the films he makes. Nice. Um, uh, who is your favorite movie character of all time? That was the toughest one. I think I came through my favorite character. It, 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 it's hard. Um, what was yours, Shane, when you did yours? Oh, God, of course, you had to ask me this. I don't remember. Okay, on um, so. yours was Han Solo. Who was mine? I was Han Solo, like just, just thinking of the fact that, like. His his what he did in that movie the first the, without the recut versions, uh his story arc and everything he's um just uh, he's my and he's such a inspiration for so many other scoundrel type people for decades since he made the they made that movie so but yeah well, Han Solo was mine. I'll I'll tell you I finally came up with who I dressed up with on my last day of radiation for my brain cancer. Okay. Which, so I know Shane's seen, I know Jay has seen Jay bird. I don't know if you saw it. Um, I was, uh, they have a gong at the, at the radiation place at Dana Farber. And when you have your last radiation treatment for your cancer, you, you get to ring the gong and mine, Jason Mayer came out in April and he drove me to one of my radiation sessions and they said, we're sorry. Do you remember this, Jay? They said, we're sorry, but the, the, the machine's down. So we're going to have to cancel today's appointment. We're going to add one more on the end. And I was like, okay. And we got home and Jason and I figured out that the last day of my radiation would now be on May 4th. So I dressed up to do my gong in my Boba Fett costume. And I think Boba Fett was... Boba Fett was the character, you guys are the, the age where you remember this, you knew nothing about him, but there was something about him that was cool. You know what I mean? Especially in Empire. And then you were kind of disappointed that he that he got knocked down into the pit in uh, Jedi. And you always had this wondering, like, man, I wonder what the character was like. And there was some Star Wars comics that kind of brought him back after, like, kind of thing. And I think it was that not knowing a lot about him that is what I I liked and how he was a lot of people thought he was cool looking and he was quiet and mysterious. I can't say that the Disney episodes made that any better because I feel like I mean, it wasn't bad, um, but it, it, it kind of took some of that coolness factor off, I think. But I would say it would probably be uh, Boba Fett. Keep, keep, keep talking is... for a minute. Keep talking for a minute. Why can I not find my answer to this? Oh, what well, is your favorite movie snack food? Uh, dots. I like dots. Which is funny because Dave Mullen, who worked at the theater with all of us at one point, he got me hooked on these dots. And he's like, Dave, Dave, they're fat free, man. These they, We can mow on these things because there's no fat in them. Well, now we know 20 years later, fat's not exactly the enemy. It's carbs and sugars and refined sugars. And what do you think a dot is? It's corn syrup that you're just blah, 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 eating those things. But I, I you know, the, they're 
that's that's what I like. So I I so dots have a special place in in Castleton Arts lore. Um, when um, a former employee found out that their significant other was um straying from their relationship, um. <laughs> one of the employees and and that person were talking and um and it became um she pulled out a box and she was like hey you need some dots and she was like what do you mean and she was like dick on the side <laughs> that's not why i them so so dots in lore over at uh in in the in the the grand scheme of things over at Castleton Arts had a totally different yeah. uh joke. And so that ever since then, that's every time somebody says dots, that's exactly what comes to my brain. So I can see that. My original answer was Jimmy Stewart, but I know when we did our our episode on this long, long ago, like two years ago during COVID or whatever, I know I changed my answer and I have not had time to figure out who the who I changed it to, but Back okay. in 2009, I my answer was Jimmy Stewart. Okay. And now, the last question. Question number 10. This is the Dave Mayer movie directed by Steven Spielberg. Who is he casting as Dave Mayer? Come on, guys. you got to know the answer to this. I know the answer to this. Jay, do you remember what we talked about, about a certain friend of mine that said, uh, who, who I reminded uh, her of? Look at Jason's dying now. So I'm going to give you two, I'm going to count one, two, three, and then I'm going to point, and that's when you guys are both going to say the name because you know me so well. Ready? Two, three. Freddie yeah, Prince, Prince Jr. Jr. <laughs> there you go. I need to lose another 20 pounds, uh, and then I'd be in his Grow history. like another six inches. Yeah, but that's all right. And uh, it's so, a very good oh. backstory to it, but I'm not going to Yeah. Quick follow-up to question number 10. If you were casting myself, Jason Mayer, and Jason Richardson, who would you cast as the three of us? Wow. Wow, that is a great question. I bet. Uh, oh, my gosh. My son, Andrew, said he knows who he would do for Shane. Who would you, who would you do for me? Jason Mews. Ooh, okay, I'll take that. Not a typical one that people say, but I'll take it. I, I'm down for that. Huh, Jason. Jason, Jason, Jason. I got two Jasons. Uh, <laughs> wow, this is a great question. Uh, who, who is Freddie Prince Jr.'s co-stars? <laughs> uh, this is, I'm, I'm trying to think personality... And you'd say, oh, yeah, I could see him in that. Um, I know Jay. Who who would Jason be? Kevin James. Ouch. Ouch. What? How <laughs> wrong with Kevin James? Kevin James? Okay, okay. Kevin James is awesome. Japer. Japer. I'll take Don, Donald Faison. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That would be awesome. Oh, my God. I love Faison. He's good in everything he does. He's got that little funky smoothness. I, I see him being a radio DJ. So I think, <laughs> Jay, Jay Bird, I think you nailed that one. 
who would you each now? So that tells you who you, and I think that's spot on. Jay, who would you say, Jason Mayer, who would you want? Like, what was your answer to this question? I don't remember what my original answer was on this. Uh, I get Seth Rogen a lot. Uh, in high school, I used to get Chris Farley. Um, so, so like along those same lines. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I can go with any of them. I could go with Kevin Smith. So James? you say Kevin James. Kevin James Kevin is perfect. Oh, you would prefer nope. Kevin Smith over Kevin James? Jay Bird said his. Jason said his. What about you, Shane? Well, here's I'm going to I'm going to try to walk you down a path and see if you get to the same place that most people say for me. Uh, this actor starred in multiple films with Freddie Prince Jr. So it's not hard to imagine them being co-stars in things like Scooby-Doo and Wing Commander, Summer Lil Catch. A lot of people give me Matthew. And I think it's because I do act a lot like he did in Scream specifically. Uh, or I modeled myself after him a lot in Scream. That and the guy who plays Beard is definitely yeah. like more more recent. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like young 1999 version, they cast Matthew Lillard, and then once we got caught up to the future, I'd be it'd be Brendan Hunt who plays Beard. Hey, you know what that means? That if they ever made the wasn't it Summer Catch? Wasn't that the movie with yep. Freddie Jr. and Matt? Yep. And then I get to hang out with Jessica Biel. So hey, absolutely. I'm all... I, well, I think Summer Catch needs to be one that you need to show these baseball kids at some point. <clears throat> a little bit older. It is a little the... bit older. They need no. Uh, uh, that's all right. Uh, so the guy talks about how he loves big women. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. So happy that you guys were on tonight. This was an absolute blast going down the rabbit hole of Clearwater and you know just cinema and theater in general. Like I don't even care that we didn't. It, I didn't even care about the topic. I just wanted to get you guys on here. I had an excuse for it. We made it work. I loved everything we talked about. Like, my, what about my questions? What about your questions? You've already done this. Done you, this. Were, you were well, on the episode. I mean, you know, we'll compare it with the previous one I did. So All right, cool. just real quick, real quick. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's marathon them. Let's go. Number one, Jason. First film you ever saw? Um, I think it was John Carpenter's Halloween. Wow, I knew that answer. Number two, what's your favorite <laughs> film of all time? John Carpenter's John Halloween. John Carpenter's Halloween. Three. What is your favorite line in a movie? Probably from, like? probably from Steel Magnolias, and it's uh, look at a dress, look like two pigs fighting in a blanket. What film made you realize the film was art? Probably the Shawshank Redemption. I remember that answer. What movie do you consider your guilty pleasure? Leprechaun. Oh, I <laughs> thought you were going to say Black American Princesses. Um, Baps is good. Baps is up there, though. Your favorite Bad. actor or actress of all time, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, no, I would say right now, um, I think Leonardo DiCaprio is fit that bill. Solid. And I think he's the last. Um, he, I was just having this discussion the other day with someone. I think he's kind of like the last movie star guy. Like when his films comes out, comes out, it's of generally good quality, and most people go to see his stuff he he's like he draws the adults got you uh da -da 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 -da. who uh, uh no jason seven what's your favorite director of all time john carpenter adventure oh 
over John Carpenter, huh? Right now, David Fincher, but John Carpenter is is there though. David Fincher is uh, there's a little bit more. Um, we progressed in film, and so he's a little bit more. I got you. Uh, who's your favorite? Than John Carpenter. Who's your favorite movie character of all time? Michael Myers. Michael Myers. Yep. Nine. What is your favorite movie snack food? Not Wait, including Junior Mints. Oh, Junior Mints. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, would you cast Donald Faison in the Jason Richardson story being directed by David Fincher? Sure. Who would you cast? No, probably Denzel Washington. That would probably fit better with Fincher. Cool. So now cast the three of us. Cast the three of us. Matthew Lillard, Kevin James, and Freddie Prinze is pretty good for Dave. But I'll I'll do... um, I'll do Ben Affleck for Dave. And I'm I'm gonna say goodbye the way that I say to my kids, and I truly mean this. And at one time, um, uh, not these my school kids. And one time, a kid, uh, and I do it to my kids when they get on the bus. I say it when the kids leave my classroom. I say peace and love. I appreciate you all to all the kids. And one day, a kid looked at me and he goes, "Why do you say that, Mayor?" And I said, "Because if there were more peace and love." the world will be a much better place. So I truly mean that to all three of you. It Jay, Jay Bird, I talk to these guys, we tweet all the time, but Jay, uh, it's so good to see you, my man. Um, we've had so many good times over the years. Uh, when I come to Indy, I will let you know, because I would love to just, whether it's, like I said, a coffee, a dinner, or just hang out somewhere. I would love, I'd to, love see to do you. that. We will do that, man. Awesome. Awesome. All right, my friends. Peace and love to all of you. All right, guys. Peace and love, everybody. Bye. Bye.